The following is a presentation of the Shining Wizards Network, broadcasting live on RantiumRadio.com and available on all podcast platforms and at ShiningWizards.com. Follow us on social media at Wizards Podcast. Check out our merchandise at Merch.ShiningWizards.com. Do your Amazon shopping at Amazon.ShiningWizards.com and become a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com slash Wizards Podcast. As always, we thank you for your continued support. And now, enjoy the show. We are live. Kate, what's going on? Just living the dream. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm fantastic. What's going on in your world? Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, likewise, Kate. Likewise. Strong same to you. What a better way to spend it. Talk about wrestling. Talk about some wrestling, man. That's what what I do every Valentine's Day, I feel like. What do we love more than that? Absolutely nothing. that's a good point. When you love something, you talk about it 365, 24-7, especially on a day. You're wearing red, too, which I just noticed. I know I am. I do have a fun little dinner after. So there you go. I got all festive. I'm ready to roll. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, let's see what time we got. What time we got, guys? If you're uh, joining us now, I don't know if we're on the rants. I honestly don't. But we are live on all of our social media platforms, Doesn't Twitch, matter. YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, if you are listening on the rant, if you are on the rant, come on over to uh, to you know the social media. Drop some comments in the uh, in the old chatsky, and we'll uh, we'll definitely pull them up and read them. Couple guests coming up on the show tonight: Sam Adonis Hell around yeah. seven thirty. You may know him as Rudo in the NWA, and we have uh, Zeke Mercer, independent talent coming out of I believe the Pittsburgh area, which we'll introduce you all to. So I'm really excited about that. Love when we get a chance to, you know, expl- not exploit. Exploit's the wrong word. What's the word I'm looking for? Ex- not expose is the wrong word. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not exploit. Expl- not, I, I mean, I guess expose is a word. Give your like, To give your platform to? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I'm trying to say, like, introduce, like, throw thrust him out into... See, thrust is an awful word, too. Man, so, you are... <laughs> Valentine's Day is bringing something out in you, ah, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say great. They say a great soft open. Uh, but we're gonna go. Uh, not gonna be a soft open if you catch my drift. You know oh I mean? my! Hey-oh! All right, KTG. All right, so I'm gonna do the intro proper real quick. Uh, in about you know a couple minutes. Yeah, actually, no, I'll do it right now. So we'll do the intro proper. Thanks for joining us. Uh, of course. Follow us on social media at Wizards Podcast on all social media platforms. I promise I will post on Instagram again. I just, I know, I don't really post on Twitter anymore either, to be honest with you. It's weird. Unless I'm like drinking, watching wrestling. I can always tell when it's you versus Matt. It's hilarious. Well, because I, <laughs> I say it's Kevin. But even before, even before <laughs> I see like KG, I'm like, it's a pun or very positive. It's you. 
with Matt, it's like very clearly like yeah. in the storyline. It's amazing. I I'm love gonna, it so I'm much. I'm gonna beat you for your belt if you bring it to a wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> he All did right. not. He did not. We'll talk about our, oh, our live wait. AEW experience in AC. I I can't wait to get into all of that. It's going to be fantastic. Lots to talk about our two guests. Lots of uh, Forbidden Door talk. Uh, whether or not you actually want to call it the Forbidden Door, who and knows? And talk about Forbidden Door. <laughs> we're going to be the Shining Wizards Forbidden Door podcast. From That's now right. On. <laughs> Is we kind of did. Talk? We opened up the Forbidden Door by having me sit in today. That's, That's true. Kate, Kate from Fight Club. We'll give her the proper introductions. That's right. Mark Order. Shining Network, uh, Shining Wizards Network vehicle, the Mark Order podcast, every Wednesday or Thursday night if they're out having their shenanigans at a live AEW show. All right, so what we're going to do now is I guess I'll pause. I don't know how this works. I don't think I need to, but for the sake of the stuff that's going to be dropped in post, we'll pause for a second. I'll come right back with the hard end show. This is the Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast. We shall be RB. And welcome, everyone, to episode... 573? What does it say in the, in the headline? 572? Wow. I totally, this is like the one thing I wanted to have ready and I totally forgot. Uh, well, anyway, we're well into the 500s, approaching uh, episode 600 of the Shining Woods of Wrestling podcast, uh, where it's wrestling talk. And talk about forbidden doors and oh, wrestling. That's, <laughs> that's right. We are now a forbidden door and wrestling podcast. That's it. Uh, this is a special Valentine's Day edition of the Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, a non-traditional show, because we have two very non-traditional hosts. I am Kevin uh, KJG, and I am joined by the one and only uh, Fightful.com's uh, Only You Can Catch Her Every Tuesday Night, uh, and all she'll, she'll plug all of her stuff. Kate uh, Hensler is here, Kate of Podcast, KTG, Kate the Great. Kate, how the hell are you? I am doing so well. It's such a fun time to be like... A wrestling fan in general, but especially of AEW because they just have been in the Northeast so much in the past six months yeah. that like we got to do that whole situation live. Um, and yeah, doing well outside of that, working on some shoot job stuff, working on some fun <sighs> stuff as well. You, you and your shoot job. Look, I hate, that. I, hate, I hate that term. Shoot job. I love that you hate that term because you abuse wrestling lingo in so many other all ways. right. That's not true at yes, all. Yes, it is. I try the longer I've been oh, doing I'm gonna this catch you for this. The, the the longer I've been doing this podcast with Matt and Tony, and of course, uh, every time you fill in, which is always a joy. Um, I try to distance myself from like the smart wrestling talk as much as I possibly can because I hate it so much when I see other people do it. Now, you, uh, to your credit, you're 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 in the game now. You're wrestling media now. You 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 have it. I will give you that right. A wrestler can do it. A promoter can do it. Someone who's on the fringe. I'll give you the pass the benefit of the doubt if you will but if i see someone like me like just a wrestling podcast guy and i and i use the term shoot job i get crucified well the only i don't really like i don't love it i don't hate it the only thing that i don't like is when people call themselves heels online and you're just being an asshole like, oh yeah that's the one that bugs me the most because i'm like but you are just being a dick because you're not actually in wrestling like stop so, calling yourself a heel yeah you're not a heel all right i do you're, jokingly you like, no no all right, see that's that's the thing that I, I i like and respect about you is because if we do say i do use something or send a tweet out saying like heel like 
or like the term heater or something like it's people know that it's I'm not really being serious. And I know I think people feel the same way about what when you do it, because you're you're Kate the Great and all of your tweets are funny. So well, like, thank why, you. so like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the one that uses the inside wrestling terminology not also be taken with either a grain of salt or with a big belly laugh? Because that's, that's what they were designed to be in the first place. Exactly. Like when I say I'm a heel, I'm complaining about pop punk. I'm not like being an asshole to people. Like yeah. <laughs> not, not in like a real way. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we're like, we're still fans. So, so like when, so when we're, when our fandom comes out, like we're just like every other fan where sometimes that maybe we will say something that, that would get us heat with uh, someone who actually does it for a living or something like that. But that's like every other fan uh, in, in the world. So uh, I guess in this last two minute open, you have kind of turned me on the usage of those terms You're because welcome. what makes me different than any other fan watching AEW Dynamite AEW Rampage, NXT, MLW, NWA, Impact, which we will talk about every single one of those things, including our guests. Uh, we'll be joined by 730 Sam Adonis, uh, a.k.a. Rudo and NWA and independent talent Zeke Mercer, who we like to expose and thrust and exploit. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't think of the couldn't think of the word. Uh, but, but Kate, getting back to your original point about AEW kind of it's a great it's a great thing that you brought up because it's i think it's an excellent jumping point that i wasn't even thinking about is for a company that bases themselves out of jacksonville florida they spend a whole lot of time in the northeast from yeah. from dc all the way up to to boston uh and they're already going back you were at the uh were you at the the, the new arena show in long island i was i've been to five aw shows and like the past six months or whatever, two in Newark. I did Arthur Ashe, I did Long Island, and I did Atlantic City. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've just been just eating them up because I feel like AEW is intent on giving their live audience, like, at least one big moment to go home with. Like, yeah. it's, it's wild, and we've just gotten so spoiled. We saw, I tweeted it the other day because I just couldn't believe it. Like, in addition to the fact that I get to see, like, like, I started watching in 09, so, like, I get to see Sting. I get to see Tony yeah. Schiavone, like, people I haven't seen before. Like, and obviously Punk. But, like... <laughs> Your best friend, Punk. My best friend, Sam Punk. That's, um, right. that's a great example of me just, like, being an asshole about things. No, but see, it's not an asshole, though. Like, that's what I got But it's not, yeah, like, being... being Trying to be the anti-asshole about stuff like that. Um, do you really like, hate... Do you really hate MJF? Okay, okay, bro. I love oh, well, sorry. Oh, see, there we go. Okay, babe. Hey, That's babe. why I'm always like, I just like shit on his cat all the time. Um, no, I, I think he's he is one of the most refreshing uh, characters in in wrestling. And I think of the four pillars, he's like the biggest pillar that they have. Yeah, I agree. Um, but with AEW, it's nuts. Like I was thinking about. I saw Danielson and Kenny. I saw uh, Jurassic Express go over. I saw I, the debut of Keith Lee. Like all of these moments. I was just so going to ask you if I, I was just going to ask you if you could rattle off what your moments were for every show that that you went to. Now I'm trying to think back to the one that we went to in in Newark, and I'm trying to remember if there was a because I think I went I went to two. You did. The second one was 
Nothing, um, right? Dan- no, well, we had Danielson and Hangman too. Oh, that's right. That's right, that's right. And then we saw Jurassic Express go over there. Um, the first one was kind of setting up Arthur Ashe, but I don't think there was like a moment moment, but we saw Kenny and Danielson officially get set up like the promo oh. happened at, at that one. We saw Jade Cargill get crowned too as the first TBS title that's holder. Right. That's right. That's a big um, deal. And that was just one show. Like all three of those moments came at one show in Newark. I saw Keith Lee and, and Switchblade. That was obviously awesome this last time around. Long Island wasn't like, I don't think there was a huge moment that happened, but it was just so fun to watch CM Punk like cut a 10 minute promo on the Islanders. That was really funny. And it was like an MJF homecoming. <laughs> um, I'm a sucker well, for a I'll good uh, hockey incorporation in a, in a wrestling promo. Hell yeah. And what was so, one thing I like about AEW is when they're in people's hometowns or like, if you're a heel, you get to be a face for a week. Like they're, they're, they don't think that's going to be the end of the world. So MJF was hugely over. And so for that week, we got to see CM Punk cut like a heel promo. And the fact that it was just like mostly about the Islanders was hilarious. It was and so I- much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I think today, if I'm not mistaken, they just announced that they'll be back there in May. In May, three days before my birthday. So, uh oh. So, KTG, are you get you getting tickets? You already going? I have to like seriously consider it because I've gotten COVID three times. So I <laughs> also yeah. am very aware of that. But like at the same time, that's um that's also going to be the Own Heart tournament. I don't know if it's kicking off, but they did announce that. Like it's either kicking off or there's going to be rounds of it there. So yeah, um, I, yeah, I believe that they didn't, they weren't really specific with the with the graphic that they showed. But I would imagine if it's what that's a, the second week in May. Did they say they're going back May 11th? Did I May 11th, yeah. So that would be probably the second Wednesday of the month. So one would think that maybe they would start it on the first Wednesday, but I don't remember seeing another graphic with the Owen Hart stuff on it. So maybe someone in the chat can smarten me up i think Uh, originally what they were trying to do was make sure that they were going to be able to be in canada when it started or concluded so um i think it's more to do with that a little bit but like i I don't know where this is this falls in that because travel restrictions are what they are but um i think that tournament's gonna be awesome i'm i'm excited about that yeah and uh in the chat, uh, uh, SCW, the wrestling channel says AEW, the company that keeps on is the company that keeps on giving right now. Excitement, consistent booking, and a real fun factor. Uh, AEW makes you excited to see their shows each and every week, and I 100% agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to have your flaws in booking all the time. Of so course. I'm not I'm not going to paint them with the with the ridiculous brush of not being consistent. When listen, nobody's perfect. But I think for the most part, it's my, it's literally the favorite my favorite part of the week when it comes to wrestling is watching AEW now. When it used to be like Impact, and I still enjoy Impact, but AEW to me uh, is just is is the the standard bearer right now. Impact is on a hell of a run right now too. I saw the Josh Alexander news break though that he's a free agent, so that I think is going to be tough for them because I can't imagine he won't. I get... did not see that. That was just a couple hours ago. Um, I think Sean hit it, but. Him being a free agent and not booked for their next pay-per-view is a little bit suspect, especially when AEW name-dropped him. Um, and Ethan Page is obviously over there, and there is a big love for tag team wrestling in AEW. Um, oh, but, but you, can't, you can't split up the men of the year on me, can you? Unless, oh unless it, Well, you well, like Dan Lambert, so that's, we have, 
that's an entirely yeah. different ball game for you well, than it is for I, me. I could do, I could deal with the men of the year with or without Dan Lambert. Okay. I, would I would prefer, I like them without. Right. I agree. hundred percent agree. I just like, I like Dan Lambert as, as a character. Now, would I want him with, with them? No, because Ethan Page is one of the best talkers in the world. And That's my biggest thing with Lambert is he keeps getting strapped to guys that can talk for themselves. I'm like, this is wasted. Yeah, and now I don't know what his deal with. I know he was out there, and we'll get to to dynamite, I guess, chronologically. But he was his his linkage to Lance Archer, which I get because I I, I don't know enough about Lance Archer. But he, he's already got Jake Roberts. I'm wondering if they want to keep a manager there and jake's health has been a little bit like suspect where he's okay. been on tv and off of it but like also lance archer is a decent enough promo that i don't think he needs it and and dan lambert's just such a weird one like that yeah. makes no sense to me at all yeah um it's it's like i feel like like a lot of people he's an acquired taste i really do enjoy his promos when when it's in the right in the right environment or the right place at the right time his, his he had some weird moments of stuff with brandy it was kind of awkward but good but he had a line that was a little weird i can't remember what it was but well they called her a whore okay well yeah well that, that, that'll, that'll, that'll do it that'll do it <laughs> that'll do it um happy valentine's I get day it. i get it it's diet cornet i understand um i just i just don't I love it i think he's better than cornet as a bad guy, and not I'm not talking like podcast cornet. I'm talking like wrestling personality cornet, like in his meanness and his his crudeness and his just aggressiveness. I think he's better than cornet. Dude, come on. He's like wish brand cornet. He's not better than the guy who I think incarnated he's... it. All right, cornet is top three, top four greatest of all time. And you're putting Dan Lambert above that. I, I think when Cornet's not putting not being put it i'm talking about just his strict all right he, dan lambert's better at being an asshole than cornet cornet is a good evil manager but when dan lambert wants to talk some trash he'll talk some trash and i know cornet now talks probably more trash than anybody in the world like i put dan lambert like i know the combination has played itself to, i mean the comparison has played itself to death but when paul Heyman wants to be a like, I don't think Cornette ever was able to be like a true like because he got he got out of the the, the mainstream spot. He's never able to be a dick as a manager. Like hey, like call Brandy a whore or like like Cornette never did that, did he? Okay, that's, that's the usually word. went racial. <laughs> what? I went racial. No, he did. Cornette oh, he did. Oh, oh god, I thought what did I slip? I thought I slipped with something. No, you're not. No, you're fine. Uh, uh, no, I think, I think, I mean, this could be a hot take that everyone's going to shit on, but I think as a complete douche character, Lambert's better than Cornette. I feel like there's a count point pointer count there with someone that like you should you should like actually go back and go side by side and compare because I'm genuinely intrigued because I like I've seen Cornette stuff, but again, like yeah. never watched a real time or anything. Like I'm very intrigued to see. Because we're also like we can talk it, about who's better, but like such different times, such different contexts. Like that, I'm intrigued. That, yeah, that's sincerely. a great point. That's a great like, point. You you have a lot more freedom to say stuff like, and personal attacks are more common now than 
than they were back then when you would just talk about, you know, your move set in a promo or like maybe you had the occasional Jim Cornette with like the British Bulldog with Shawn Michaels and, and British Bulldog's wife. You had a little bit of that, maybe a little bit of stuff with Sonny. Um, well, I think like, because it's not protected, there's things you can get away with. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows it's not real now. So it's almost like people yeah. like it, people can do it. It's a little bit easier to get away with some stuff when it's a wink and a nod. Yeah. And it might be. And because you can get away with so much stuff now, I guess that kind of takes a little bit of the art out of it. Yeah. Because, because I can just call you like a piece of shit and it'll, it'll pop the crowd or I can, you know, say you do this in your spare time and the crowd will go. Ooh. Whereas like, then you tried to keep it to what was being aired on, on your, on the television show. So with, in that respect, it yeah, could you had be, to be more clever, I think. Now you yeah, can just kind of say, throw shit out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because nine times out of ten, you, the AEW, specifically the AEW fan base, is going to know what you're talking about. Even yeah. when, even when, and I, I hate this term still because I feel like the internet wrestling community term is, there's no longer an internet wrestling community. The internet wrestling community is the community. Like, that's it. Like, I think the majority of the people are the smart fans now as opposed to the casual fans. Like that's that's like what I, that's what I think. I think especially when it comes to to AEW, like people say, like, the, like when you listen to like a Bruce Pritchard podcast or you listen to like a Jim Ross podcast, and they mention the internet wrestling community is that small majority. Yeah, maybe in 1998 or 1999, but I feel like in 2022, the internet wrestling community is the community. That's that's it. That's who's watching. It's at least a strong enough sample size that you're able to like extrapolate what the rest of the community is thinking. And I think the best indicator of that is the pandemic when there were no fans in arenas to give you ideas. Look at what AEW did versus what WWE did. Like WWE bottomed out on, on ratings. And, um, you know, I think Royal Rumble was really indicative of the fact that they haven't created any new stars outside of Roman because nobody was really getting pops where AEW made their star and and adam page so um i i think it's how do you feel like, about adam there's page? still something to listen to i think adam page is great i think they have dropped the ball on getting him in a program that means something but i think they're coming back with that i think adam yeah. page versus adam cole is is going to be great but it was like they just didn't have anything lined up beside behind Danielson like the Danielson stuff was so great and then it yeah. kind of fell off a cliff but this whole pay-per-view in general they just got like the the biggest story happening right now is Punk and MJF and that's not for a title they didn't have any title feud set up until like Rampage of last week I think like the open challenge titles are your your mid-tier titles but you should at least have a story going into a pay-per-view and then there wasn't really anything for Brit. And there wasn't anything for Paige. And it was like, yeah. their pay-per-view is like in a month, you know? So um, th- yeah. it's they kind of like have snapped some stuff together. But I was like, you that you got to be careful of. Like, you can't lose story because that's what got you Adam Page in the first place. And now just because you have Punk and Danielson and whatever, you can't just rely on that. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's Punk weird. has it's, the best story of the company. So. Yeah, he, he, he really does. <laughs> and it's just weird. Like, do you ever get like, I have no like evidence or, or proof. It's just like how you feel when you see somebody on your TV. Like I used to feel like, and the live crowd there has a lot to do with it. But like when I saw like Paige, this, even though the match with Archer was crazy, 
Um, but like, I'm just like, I don't feel the same way about Hangman that I did like a month ago or like two yeah. months ago. So it's just very weird. And and I'm not saying I won't get that feeling back, but I'm just like, like I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. While I, I do still like him and I still do like what they're doing with him. It just, it's something weird. That's like not explainable. It's just something there. It was like, Oh, all right. There's Hangman Adam page. And all right. I think you can trace some of it back to the fact that, and this is why I think, I don't think he's dropping to Cole, but I don't think he's going to be a super long title reign. There was so much magic in the chase for that yeah. story that it's like, and, now he has it. And then what? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's tricky to follow that. And then you had Daniel send and you're like, okay, and then what? It's like, well, what do you even do now to satiate my thirst as a fan? Like, that's actually a tricky creative thing that I think they haven't figured out, but they, they do this sometimes. And it's a thing that I hope they get better at of, I knew Archer wasn't going to win. And with right. Brit, her, her whole title reign, it's been like, I know it's going to be Thunder Rosa. So now the match itself with Archer was great and he got reactions that I hoped he was getting, but it's like, if I know the outcome, you have to make the story that's getting there real damn good. And they have fallen off in that regard, in in, in my opinion. So, right. like, if I know the inevitable outcome, that's fine. But it has to be really good then. Like, you have to give me something really, really good. And and I think I think I made this point a while ago, and I believe, I, if I remember correctly, you agreed with it. And I think it goes to what you just said, is that AEW for a long time has been really good at presenting those interim storylines that could headline a Dynamite as opposed to a pay-per-view, where they build up, like, an archer or whether it was, you know, Daniel Bryan. I mean, that wasn't a pay-per-view. Those were two dynamites, right? Two dynamites, one dynamite, one dynamite page and, and Danielson, right? Are you frozen? Uh Oh, I think Kate's frozen. All right. So anyway, my point was that, um, that AEW did, did a, a, a extremely good job of making you want to watch dynamites. Are you back? Yeah. Sorry. I froze up there for a second. No problem. No problem. So I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you heard what I said about um, how I, like I thought that, up for dynamites. Yeah, like having good like interim storylines for your TV show to, to 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 buy time to your pay per views where you really give the fans like their their big time main event. And I feel like they were doing a good job. But to your point about this, like you know, Lance Archer is not going to beat Paige, so it's kind of fallen off a little bit in that regard. I feel like. Yeah, and I think it's kind of tricky because you have to balance that against something that I think is definitely one of their strengths, which is that they have these background stories running. Like, you right. know Kenny's going to come back at some point, and if it's not for the title, if it's to be on his side, whatever, you know that if CM Punk wins that title, or the second, not even the title, the second CM Punk turns heel, you don't think Eddie Kingston's coming back to say, I told all you motherfuckers, exactly who this guy was and they're not going to have a rematch on that of course they are yeah so it's like to be able to fill in the gap with meaningful stuff is tricky but like the title has to be paramount above above everything right so agreed that's tricky i think the magic is going to be with miro i think you're going to get really i think i think you're going to get an awesome adam page and miro program once he's back and healthy um is he hurt is he is He's he's been hurt. Uh, he he was fighting a leg injury, and I think it's one of those nagging things. So okay. he went away to like heal up. I think when he comes back, 
that program is going to get this like a little bit more back on track. And I think whatever's going to happen with, with Cole and Paige is, is going to be incredible too. I don't know if he drops to Miro. He's certainly a viable option. All right. Um, but I think, I think they're going to put together a few there. That's just going to be and absolutely incredible. I, I, I love the redeemer aspect of Miro. And I want to get back to a point real quick. Um, about the chase. Everyone always says, well, what is the what is the big cliche when you're critiquing wrestling? The magic the story, is in the chase. The magic is in the chase. Okay, that might be true, but you know, the chase has to end at some point. So it's like, what are you going to do now? Like yes. the, the the chase is great and the chase is probably what brings people in, but to keep them, there has to be like there has to be like a second season. Like there has to be another show. Like okay, uh, you know, you know, they oh Ra- Rachel and Ross got the freaking got together, right? <laughs> the, Ross chased they happen. And now what are you giving me with this Ross Rachel relationship now? Like are, you gotta give me something here. Well, a lot of rematches with the two of them, but yeah. uh, <laughs> 50-50 booking with Ross and Rachel. To me, the bigger thing was like you built this incredible program with Danielson right on the heels of it, right? So um I felt like that made Paige feel as much of a star as the title did. And then they kind of didn't do anything with all the me- momentum going out of it. Like, you beat Brian Danielson, like, regarded as the best wrestler in the world right now, actively, definitely on American television. Oh, oh sorry. Um, Go ahead. No, that's okay. You can pull that up if you <laughs> no, want. No, no, I already had that one. Gotcha. Um, this is so what I it's, to pull it's up. just like, and I can't, it's, it's, there's so many things to balance, right? Like, Y'all love wrestling. Also, hear me out. Dan Lambert is hanging his mouthpiece. No, yeah, I just wanted to pull no, this up for no, you. No, no, Lambert has to be a heel, and Hangman is such a pure baby face. I don't think you touch that part of him. Like All he's right. definitely Here that. Here you go, Kate. What about this? Marking out or good friends over at the Marking Out podcast? Oh yeah. Wasn't it reported that Miro has been healthy for weeks, but there's no creative for him? I don't know if the, see the Marking Out guys are awesome. But I can, they're very, they're very much like me with their sense of humor. So I don't know if that's like a shot at like, like Vince McMahon for not being able to use Rusev well, or if, it's, if that's actually serious and there really is no creative. No, I think he might be back, but like, I, I kind of get it. Cause like you just had Keith Lee. Oh my God. Now that we're saying that out loud, a Keith Lee versus Miro program. Jesus. Yeah, I wanted, um, I, I wanted to transition into that too. Yeah. I think, um, I think like. I don't know if it's that creative doesn't have anything for him as much as if he is healthy, maybe creative doesn't have something for him just yet. Like, I think he was like extremely over and on such a heater. Um, I think you want him to come back in a program that feels important right away. I'd also like, they love coming back to these things. It's not my favorite, but Kip Sabian's been out there with a box over his head looking for a story to re-enter too. Like, I don't know if they're going to rewrite that or whatever, but like, I don't think it's like that they don't have anything for Miro. I think it's that when he comes back, it's going to be something important and big and long-term. And, um, you know, we're getting Andrade versus Sammy. I could see Miro versus Sammy. Um, There's so many options for him because he's such an important guy and he's a heel. Like right now you just happen to have like, Two titles that have baby faces with them. Punk is a face. Outside of Danielson, you have Cole as a heel. And then probably Miro's like the, the next most important one. 
Keith Lee just debuted. He's a patented baby face. I would, you could sell me a ticket to Keith Lee versus Miro any day of the week. Yeah. I feel My like, goodness. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that that would feel the way that you do. And I always like to play this game. Whenever like a new champion is crowned, I always like to play the game. Like who's going to be the one to take it off them? It's time to play the game. Yeah, yeah. In the game, uh, AEW. Uh, <laughs> who? Keith Lee. Uh, good yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so like who's like who's going to – like? I'm trying to think like who's going to – Who's going to be the one to take it off page again? To me, like, not again, but to take it off page. And to me, I just feel like, like, is it like, I, I can't even think. I can't even think straight because, like, it's going to have to be a really long reign for someone like Punk or someone like uh, MJF. Yeah, I mean. Or to, see, like, Page has got to hold his belt for a little while now. He's got to hold it till at least, like, past this when revolution's the next show right yeah i think double or nothing might be the place where he drops it because that's kind of like his pay-per-view or whatever anyway um you know i i one of my friends at fight club uh or formerly at fight club joe holbert came up with this really good booking that i'm what what, what happened to joe holbert at fight club uh he's just focused on uh late night grin now which is um awesome awesome podcast um he's he has a really really great wrestling mind but like some of his fantasy booking is the coolest shit i've ever heard and i popped huge for this idea because i'm a punk mark but that you have a uh adam page obviously pure baby face facing cm punk as a pure baby face and the punk heel turn comes with him like low blowing someone or like low blowing page um and turning heel in a moment instead of like gradually because i think that that is something that needs to happen with punk with where he's at with this kind of like happy-go-lucky thing it needs to like get you and catch you off guard and it was his idea to have then eddie kingston come back reignite that and say i told all you motherfuckers who this guy is and he just low-blowed your baby champion and i just thought that was such a good good booking and could kind of justify a shorter punk run I mean, he's in his 40s, like, and I don't think he's going to be one of these guys that that drags out to his 60s because he's not a part-timer. He is wrestling most weeks. Um, but I just, I thought, like, I, it's hard for me to put my markdom aside for a guy like Punk because he's my dude. But, like, I just thought from a booking perspective, if you use that as the way to turn Punk heel, man, like, there's so many good things that happen with that. Like, I think, you know, Paige comes out of that so protected. You reignite eddie and punk too you could have danielson turn face off of that and have that which has you know been in people's dreams for years like there's so many so many things that that could lead to and we haven't really had a title reign i guess you could make the the argument that kenny did this but like he because he was so banged up i feel like wasn't defending as much like we haven't had a title reign that went through and made a bunch of new guys yet. I don't think like, it's been a lot of like Moxley and Omega and like people that are kind of already at that level. I think a punk one, man, you could just light up punk and Starks or whatever. Like there's so many things that he could do with that title that I don't think we've seen happen yet because so much of it was about like establishing page and, and just like using your, the top people that you have. Um, 
So I, I think that could be really healthy for what it could do in terms of AEW. And you want to do it while he's in his early 40s rather than his late 40s, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved that booking. I don't know. Like I, Keith Lee's got to be a face for a while. I don't, I don't think you turn him heel. I don't think he's the guy to take it off page. You could just have Cole do it. Like I don't think that, um, that's the best move because I think Page, after such a long story going into it, deserves a couple more months. Right. But I mean, a lot of people think it's going to be MJF, which is totally fair. But I think MJF, you're going to want that guy to have like a year long reign. That's right. And uh, real quick, our guest, our first guest of the night is in the queue. But real quick, I just want to ask this question because I have the memory of her fruit fly and I'll forget it. So, Kate, do you think we live in a world where Eddie Kingston will ever be AEW champion? I do. I think a transitional one. I, I think he's such a good, he's such an easy guy to put it on and take off. Like it, it's going to happen, but I think it'll be two, three months. All right. Well, I am going to add our guest into the stream uh he is here right now let's bring him on ladies and gentlemen joining us now i guess it's not really the shining wizards hotline anymore it's the shining wizards stream yard uh <laughs> sam adonis uh of nwa fame and of course a lot of other things sam how are you tonight it's kevin and kate how are you i'm doing great it is monday night which is always my night to chill and relax uh, it always seems to be my podcast night because nine times out of ten i'm flying home from somewhere on a sunday so uh, I'm here with my dog on the couch talking to you guys. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. We thank you for taking a few minutes out of your uh, schedule, uh, especially on this. What did you did you get your dog or anything for Valentine's Day or what? Oh, he's spoiled as it is. I mean, he got half my dinner tonight, so I guess that's a <laughs> Valentine's Day gift. What, but, what, was, di uh, what we, was dinner? What was dinner? I had uh, this uh, turkey. It's a what do you call it? Ground turkey bowl with rice and uh, cilantro and healthy people stuff. Cause I was always a big heavy guy. I lost about 150 pounds over the last 10 years. So I got to do my best to stay on top of it. I wish I could have had a nice dinner with my girlfriend, but she's actually sadly in Florida right now. So it's just me and the little guy here on the couch. That's awesome. Well, we are joined right now by Sam Adonis on social media, all social media platforms at real Sam Adonis on, uh, does your dog, does your dog have uh does your dog have a Twitter or Instagram? Has an Instagram. Star right. Lord Yukon is his name. All right. So, uh, Star Lord yeah. Yukon. <laughs> My girlfriend is actually a, a wrestler from uh, Wow Fame. Her name is Ray Lynn. She wrestled as Chantilla Chelly. Uh, so we live together and we have our little fur baby. And uh, yes, we, we we treat him like he's an actual child. Uh, he's spoiled, but <laughs> he is the uh, the essence of our being. And trust me, there's nothing better than being away for two or three days. Opening that front door and being greeted by a dog. Um, it, it's just nothing like Best. it. They're like, oh, my God, you're back. Let me tell you everything. Like, they're so <laughs> exactly. fun. I love it. I well, love I had it. dogs growing up. I had dogs growing up, but it was kind of like the family dog. So none of us were actually like, you know, the dog wasn't each individual's. Now this dog is my dog. And he's like, you know, he's just. He's so cuddly and wonderful. And just uh, when I'm on the road and I come home, he literally won't leave my side for about 24 hours, which is awesome. It's the best. So, uh, so Sam, let me ask you this now. NWA is in a, is now a staple in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, what are your thoughts on your time so far with NWA and its future uh, outlook? Uh, I actually, I love NWA. 
And uh, anybody that knows me and knows my story, um, my dad was an indie promoter. Yep. So I grew up around wrestling since I was about you know, four or five years old. And I, I have a soft spot in my heart for old school wrestling. And uh, NWA is doing something completely different to everyone else. And, uh, you know, if you're going to compare it to anything as far as, you know, the modern scene or what somebody else is doing, there's a good chance you're not going to like it. But if you understand what wrestling is, what it's supposed to be and where it came from, you know, you're probably going to love NWA because it's no bullshit. You know, it's not about the storylines. It's not about the, the, you know, crazy moves or angles. It's about wrestling, you know, as a as an athletic competition, you know, two people in a ring trying to win a match. It's wrestling. So um, I really like being a part of it. Everybody there is cool. Um, the It feels very, very professional. Uh, that's the one thing that I really like about it is, you know, a good portion of that locker room was signed to WWE when I had my WWE developmental contract back yep. in 2012. But when you're in WWE, there's a lot of other circumstances that you have to deal with. So, uh, you know, you might not have been best buddies with everyone. Now, you know, coming into that same locker room, you know, 10 years later, seeing the same people, we're all kind of on the same page. You know, a lot of us are still here 10 years later because it's in our blood. It's what we do. It's what we love, you know, but after the experience that, you know, I've had, as well as all the other wrestlers have had, you kind of have that same general mutual respect. And I think it all kind of goes back to the, the, the essence of what NWA is. You know, they're not trying to set the internet on fire. They're not trying to get the coolest new young superstar that does the best double moonsault. You know, most of us are kind of on the same page of, of what wrestling is, what it was, and what's expected of us. And it makes for just a hell of a locker room. Just great talent working together and just, you know, respecting pro wrestling. When so we had Mickey James on, she spoke a lot about what you were initially saying as far as the style of it goes, that it's not like backstages where there just happened to be cameras recording her conversation that she also loved how raw the approach was how old school it was what is the and maybe it's not as much of a challenge maybe it's easier but what was the the biggest challenge going from somewhere with production that's in such a specific way like wwe to going back to this like incredibly raw nothing to hide behind style or did you just find it more natural uh it's I think it's something most of the talent there has had, you know, TV experience and usually TV experience itself is kind of like, you know, it doesn't stray too far off. There's always going to be a hard camera. There's always going to be three or four mobile units. You know, they'll tell you the entrance, either the card cams to the right of the entrance. There's a lot of that, that, you know, once you do a XYZ TV taping once you kind of got the formula. NWA kind of keeps it to that. You know, it's not too far out of that realm. Um, and I think from my personal experience, this, I debuted for uh, NWA a little bit after the pandemic started. So as far as a small, intimate setting with a, small, a very little amount of people, I had done a few of those shows before I even came to NWA just because of the COVID restrictions. So it was really a natural fit to me. You know, it was one of those things that it, I, I was able to get right in, feel comfortable. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of us are comfortable because, you know, there's a certain respect that we all have for each other because I know, you know, Tom Latimer from 2010, I know Tyrus from one, you know, FCW. I know this guy was an impact. I know this guy from Japan, you know, you all kind of have that, you have that sense of respect and it does make everything a little bit easier to adapt to. Um, for me personally, uh, I like it a lot because it's almost like a night off because I, I've made most of my career in Mexico 
And I've spent a lot of time, you know, all over the world representing Mexico and doing the Lucha Libre style, which couldn't be further from what the NWA style is. But in my opinion, you know, I love it because I was taught the basics. You know, I was taught to learn how to be a professional wrestler and do the, the, the basics, you know, the holds, the moves, follow the rules the way it was 25 years ago. That's how this, you know, our generation and our locker room was taught. Now wrestling has evolved so much with so many schools and so many people don't learn the basics. They don't know what it is. I would say there's a good, you know, 30% of every wrestler that you know, whether they're on TV or not, would come to, be, come to NWA and maybe make a fool of himself because they can do XYZ sequence and, and do what they saw somebody, you know, the, the, the latest internet trend is, but they never learned the basics, you know, and you can't, you can't pull one over on us at the NWA because when you don't have those basics, you know, you, you're going to make yourself look like a fool. So uh, it, it's definitely cool. It's everything about it's just so different. The adapting to it has been nothing to me just because it is, it's basically old school gritty wrestling. And the way I tell everybody, it's like, my dad has been watching wrestling since 1962. My dad was a promoter through the 90s and the thousands. You know, he's seen Luthez live and Mil Mascaras live, all these huge stars. And my dad doesn't like professional wrestling today. You know, my brother's on WWE every Monday night. He doesn't yeah. care. He mm -hmm. doesn't want to watch it. He doesn't like anything on TV. My dad likes NWA because it's, you know, guys that just go out there. They're not insulting your intelligence. They're not trying to make it more complicated than it needs to be. They're not trying to appeal to this, you know, segmented demographic that is the online wrestling market. They're going to say, this is what I like. Maybe you'll like it too. Watch it. And, and so far, I think it's been pretty awesome. We are uh, talking with Sam Adonis. Uh, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Real Sam Adonis. Talking about uh, NWA right now, and a couple things that I've noticed about NWA. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious what they do there. But some things that I've noticed that I wonder if it's difficult for professional wrestlers to to get used to the fact that there is no no entrance music. There is no. You're walking really like a really short distance to the ring. Sometimes I, I watched Power this past week. Sometimes the team that you're facing comes out right behind you. Like, so how is that, how is that something or how difficult is that to get used to? I think that would be something that could be difficult for some of the younger guys that are there. Some of the students that have literally had, you know, a year or two experience because a lot of people do like to do their warm up rituals, you know, and go do a hundred squats before their match. And they need that music to hit for them to turn it on. But the majority of the people in the NWA, you have to remember, have been doing this for, you know, 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And I mean, even though you see, let's say, for example, an impact taping, impact might be taping, you know, in front of 2000 people, but it's still a 10 hour day. You might have two hours, two hours of wrestling in 10 hour days. So most of us, you know, we understand how to do TV wrestling. It's all about just to be in the ring at the right time, you know, do what you're asked. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a formula that you can't be selfish. You don't have enough time to be selfish. You know, that you have to do what they ask you to do, do it very well. And I think it's something that the people there know how to do it, know how to handle it. I personally think that, you know, it, it would be very unusual for a lot of people. Um, I, I'm a big believer that TV wrestling and live wrestling are two completely different art forms. You know, you just can't, it, TV wrestling being live is kind of, to me, a weird hybrid because, you know, you just go back through the history. The TV was filmed for TV as a general commercial for the live events. And the performance you see at the live event was, you know, it's completely different to what you saw on television. But, you know, just given what they're doing right now, I think it's something that's, you know, 
there's a certain crowd that wants that. There's a certain crowd that likes that. Could be hard for some people to get used to, but I think, you know, they're very conservative and the way they, you know, their business model seems to be laid out. I see them being around for a long time to come. I'm actually really sorry I had that AEW banner up this entire time. Here talking <laughs> That's right. I get that rumor out there. You know, someone, yeah. someone's talking there you about go, it. Yeah. Yeah. AEW confirmed. Sam, Sam Adonis. Yeah, I, I've, I've, been, I've been called way worse than AEW star, you know, so why not? <laughs> We're going to sprinkle a couple of fan questions in here right now as we talk to Sam Adonis. Here's one, a very, uh, you know, kind of basic question, but very interesting at the same time. So Bobby Batito asked Sam Adonis, who was your dream opponent? in the nwa and i guess if you want to expand this to just in general maybe yeah um in the nwa it's there's a lot of them i'd like to work with um i've already worked with nick aldis and he's just unbelievable to work with i would work him any night of the week um i've worked with zach Ryder, who's the new champion i would work with him any night of the week honestly just you know given the, the realm of where we are right now i'd probably throw trevor murdoch in that pool uh, Trevor Murdoch was trained by Harley Race and, you know, he's been around 20 years to me, you know, I'm a lot different than a lot of the other wrestlers because, you know, I, I look at wrestling completely different since it's been in my blood since I was a kid. I can go like, to an independent show and see the guy in the third match that nobody looks at, nobody's caring about, nobody really pays any attention to. And I can say, that guy's pretty good. I want to wrestle him. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, there's people out there you know, that, I think Trevor Murdoch's one of these guys that has so much more than meets the eye. A lot of the wrestling fans might not be uh, the biggest Trevor supporters, but the professionals, we all know exactly how damn good he is. And I would love to work with him any chance I can. So, so for those people that might not be familiar hundred percent with you and our audience, you know, you said that you grew up in the business. A lot of people do that end up getting in the business. What is it about that? Do you think if, if your family wasn't already in the business, you would have fallen in love with it anyway? Uh, I really don't think so. I really don't think that would be the case at all. Um, I, I always use the analogy that if your parents own a bakery, you probably know how to make a cupcake. You know, the <laughs> per peripherals are right there. You get to see everything around you. You know, my first four or five years around wrestling, I was terrified to talk to the wrestlers. I was scared, you know. Yep. But the one thing about me is I, I don't remember ever having legit fandom. I was more, it was more of a fascination than, than getting lost in the, in the show. I never had you know, the favorite wrestler that I wanted to, you know, the rock needs to win tonight or I'm going to, you know, not be able to sleep. Never had that. I was more worried about what the setup was going to look like at WrestleMania, what color tights Shawn Michaels was going to wear, you know, stuff like that. It was like, I was just fascinated by the whole industry, the presentation, the storytelling. And I think more than anything, it's the, the crowd communication you know, the art form behind it, which is completely lost by most people now, you know, we basically have the, the power to, to be the most dramatic sporting event you've ever seen if we lay out the circumstances to make it a dramatic sporting event. Now, a lot of people aren't doing dramatic sporting event. They're doing the, the slam dunk contest. And, you know, you might like the slam dunk, dunk contest, but it doesn't give you the same feeling as when you watch Game 7 of the World Series. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of what I've always loved about it. Um, I think what helped me personally was I couldn't do it until I was old enough. And I was just obsessed with helping and being a part of it. Uh, my brother was a wrestler, WWE's Corey Graves. So I, I traveled with him all over the country. My dad would put these shows on and I would literally build the ring because I wanted to. I wanted to sell people's merchandise because I wanted them to like me. You know What, what we call paying dues, I did because it meant so much to me because I couldn't be in that ring. Now, uh, it's, I, I think it's paid off so much. 
I think I have a very, you know, unique perspective on wrestling because of all this and what I've been through. But, you know, I think learning and being around it, not being able to get it led me to study and want to learn more and just learn more and learn more. And I think I have a very competitive edge because I, you know, I almost have more experience as a office guy or a a booker and a, you know, behind the stage, behind the scenes guy than I do an actual wrestler. I learned the ins and outs of the wrestling business before I ever laced up a pair of boots. That's why I've been able to, you know, have success in major companies all over the world because I don't wrestle for me. I wrestle for the company and what they asked me to do. You know, and I put myself, that's, I've been able to stay in work because it's all about just, uh, you know, having the perspective of, of wrestler and promoter and balancing the two. You mentioned crowd communication as being something that you were fascinated by and a wildly underestimated thing. I want to get into your AAA run because it was so successful, but between Mexico and America and Japan, how is the crowd communication different in all of those different companies and countries and experiences? Uh, well, see, I think I think you have to understand the culture in order to get over in the country. And I think that's what a lot of people don't look at. The thing is, if, if my, my number one passion on earth is professional wrestling, number two is probably horror movies, number three is world culture. I'm fascinated by what makes people tick worldwide and why it is that way. So it's a, you know, you need to just understand what it is they like, why they like it. I think that's a big problem that's, you know, led us down the wrong path, you know, as in wrestling as a whole, the perception of Japanese wrestling from an American fan is completely different to the perception of Japanese wrestling to a Japanese fan. So there's guys, you know, that we can watch a show in Mexico or Japan and say, wow, I love that guy. And in Mexico, he might just not be the guy getting over. Yes, he may do cool things, but he's leaving something out because he's not living in his moment culturally. He's doing what, you know, what, what the wrestling industry. And that, that's what I think what's right now, you know, we're in a very dangerous spot because everybody wrestles for the Internet. Everybody wants that little 30 second clip, you know, that might not get over those 30 second clips. The fans could be sitting on their hands for that 30 second clip. They might not even enjoy that clip, but then the Internet blows it up and makes it a bigger deal. You have there's very few people out there that can adapt their style to every single crowd out there. Very few people. And I say this all the time. I've perfected the fact that the, the art of being an American wrestler in another country, because like I said, you, the perspective of another fan uh, of another, yeah, a fan in Japan, they have an idea of what an American wrestler is. So when you go in there as an American wrestler and you don't play to that expectation, when you kind of throw it against them and start, you know, if I, I say this all the time, when guys go to Japan and they try to be Kenta Kobashi or, or uh, you know, Junakiyama, Oh, they're trying you. to do they're trying to be someone they're not and people see through that but when you come over and just be you do american wrestling do the punches the kicks you know a few submissions like we're known for you know people say oh yeah that's that's a good american wrestler that's what you remind them of so it's really complicated i think i could write a book on it the differences between mexico japan and american and even in the united states it's different per, for per town you know, if you're in if you're in the Rust Belt in Southern West Virginia, that audience is going to be a little bit different than a New York City crowd. You have to mm-hmm. understand where you're at and what the people what makes the people tick to do your performance. Um, so uh, it's just it's so much deeper than most people will ever get. Um, one I one perfect example is I wrestled for a company in Chicago called Warrior Wrestling, 
And I, I absolutely love warrior wrestling. Right now I'm their Lucha champion and I've done a lot of this stuff. Warrior wrestling is a show where I have to just go out there and be the best version of myself. They want to see good shit and want, want to see, you know what I mean? They're, they're not going to tolerate because these same fans, they are the ones watching, you know, every single bit of everything. They're watching Impact. They're watching AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, All Japan. They're watching it. So, you know, there's somebody else out there they'd rather see. You have to get in there and capture their attention and figure that out. I can't go out there and give them a Southern Tennessee style, you know, uh, Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee match because they're, they're going to say, oh, come on, this is lazy. But that's the beauty of it. Because if I went and took this same match where I did 8 million things in Chicago and put it in Southern Tennessee, I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to be intelligent, know your surrounding, understand the people and, and, and it gets really fun. I, I think that's one thing I pride myself on is the fact that I can't adapt and change it up everywhere I go. Yeah, and I just had a question up, but I I'm pretty sure you just answered it from Motzbach asking about your experience at Warrior Wrestling uh, last weekend. I believe you touched on all of that. But given your obsession or your fascination with world culture, does it ever seep in like the back of your mind of like, how to like book maybe like a wrestling appearance based on what that culture might be into. Like it's kind of like an ulterior motive. Like, Hey, maybe if like, maybe if like Sweden calls, I'll go to Sweden and wrestle or something like that. Sure. Sure. Well, no, that's, that's what I've always, uh, I've always wanted to see the world. And I've been very lucky. I lived in, in the United Kingdom for four years. So I could see, got to see most of Europe. I lived in Mexico for two years. So I saw a lot of Mexico and living here, been to Japan four times. And it's, it's something that like, I've always tried to, I have a de not a deadline. I have like an idea of what I'd like to accomplish. And a lot of times I'm really big into dream it, do it. And, you know, putting something into the universe, it happens all the time, you know, but you can, it, when that happens, there's gotta be, usually it's something that you, you don't necessarily want to switch it up completely. And, and maybe next be, you know, like, uh, I can't just go out and be the Swedish chef from the Muppets. You know, that's gonna <laughs> why, be, why not? Say, that's this is <laughs> not with that but, attitude. But, I, kid. <laughs> but this is also another thing that always gets people wowed. If I went over there and I'm doing cocky American heel gimmick talking on the microphone. And then when somebody screams at me, answering them in two words in Swedish language, they lose their mind. Oh, Oh my God, I can't believe he did that. You know, that's, I think that's a big thing that helped my career in Mexico is I was, I've yeah. learned Spanish in about three months, which was unheard of. I still don't know how I did that. But uh, <laughs> once, once I learned Spanish, it was a whole different ball game because I was the American wrestler that spoke Spanish. I didn't go out there and do hurricane runners and all the cool stuff I can do. I'd love to have done that, but that's not what they wanted, you know? And when you kind of hit them with, you just have to stay in your own realm of, of what they're expecting of you and who you are because that makes it real. Uh, a lot of times I still think a big problem in a lot of wrestling all over is you're not buying what they're selling because it's not necessarily genuine. You know, that's why they like to sell real people. Oh, this guy was a college athlete. This guy was a, a, an actor and, and you know, wherever they like to sell real because there's no, you, you're not, the curtain can't come down too far. But when you have somebody that plays a gimmick that, you know, uh, uh, let's say he's the, police officer and he's you know a criminal there's going to be some disconnect there that people can't understand so i think that the beauty of it is just uh, i think with wrestling what was experience uh the, the territory system and all this you know the stuff of of wrestling all over i think that develops you into who you are you know over the course of the last 15 years sam adonis 15 years ago is not the same person as sam adonis today right. but like i said 
the real story is now very interesting. You almost develop uh, uh, what's what's the word? Uh, saw my uh, simultaneous timelines. You know, Sam Polinsky's going one way, Sam Adonis the other way. Eventually, they meet and they become the same thing. So you, you almost end up becoming more more uh, entertaining, or you, more, you have more of a fascinating story than, let's say, you know, the guy that played football at Tennessee, because the wrestling business did that for me. So I am filling in for Matt, who asks anyone who's oh, been to boy. Japan. Oh, I was Kate, you your ears must be ringing because I was <laughs> thinking this in my head. I'm like, Kate should ask this question. Kate's going to ask this question. I have oh, to because of who I'm yourself. filling in for. Brace yourself. All right. When Lance Hoyt was on, Lance Archer. He, oh, okay. This isn't the question I thought you were going to ask. No, no, no. no. Okay. One he, of my favorite people, by the way. Awesome dude. He wouldn't stop talking about how great the raw horse meat was in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Have you had the raw horse meat? Yes, I have. And it was good? Absolutely delicious. It was my one goodness. of those things. But again, this is a when in Rome situation. You know, I'm an animal lover. I'm here from the United States. But I think that's the beauty of the world. You know, globalization is a phenomenal idea. It's just never going to work. You can't completely switch. You can't tell somebody they can have something or can't have it based on your ideals. And I would never in a million years try to go to a butcher or go to a farmer and say, hey, I had some of that horse meat in Japan. You think you could take care (laughs) of it? I would never. That's not my style. But I was in, you know, there was a restaurant about two blocks from my hotel in Kawasaki, me and another wrestler named uh, Joel Redman, who was Oliver Gray in NXT. We're walking down there. We walk in. It looked cool. We didn't know what was on the menu. But we're just, yeah, it looks like steak or something. We get it. And it's called horse sashimi. It was absolutely amazing. It had a lemon pepper soy sauce with it. And, you know, uh, I'm I'm all for trying new things. You know, it, it means something to somebody or else it wouldn't be there. Um, and again, sometimes you really, you know, living in the United States, we take things for granted. You know, some places don't have the luxuries of having any, any meat. You know, that one horse every five years might be their only chance of you know, protein they can have. So Damn. who are we I'm to judge? Taking a huge victory on lap because he asks that question all the time and gets so many no's. I'm filling in. I get a yes. I get a thumbs up on the horse meat. Okay, so you love wrestling. You're fascinated by culture. You threw horror movies in there. Creepy. Absolutely. October, Friday night. What what are your, like, top three to five? Oh, I think the uh, the Spanish horror film Wreck is very good. Ooh, okay. R.E.C. Uh, That's another thing. I'm more fascinated, and this ties back into world culture. International horror is its own thing. And it goes back into learning about cultures and whatnot. Uh, Turkey puts out my favorite horror movies. Turkish horror is next level because imagine something like The Ring or The Grudge with this, you know, million dollar production budget looking like a million dollars. But there's almost there's actors you've never seen. It's high quality, but it's kind of like, you know, it it takes it back. But the beauty of it is it's based on, you know, most Muslim faith. They're not dealing with angels and demons. They're dealing with jinn, you know, and you watch one of them and you're like, oh, my God, what was that? So that same horror movie, you know, leads to a three hour rabbit hole on, in, in a, you know, on Wikipedia about jinn and history and this and that. And again, when you understand it and you know what's, what you're looking at, holy shit, that movie was incredible. You know, so, so you're, it, you're a less scares, more tension guy is what I'm guessing. Ah, no, like, you like some good, you like some good scares. I like tension. I like the, the a lot of, you know, uh, religious horror. 
Okay. That's the stuff. Yeah, that's that's what I really like. Anything with demons and whole air gins and anything about anything that you know still kind of walks that line of is it real or is it isn't there is ah, not. You know, there's no proof either way. Yeah, my, my girlfriend <laughs> hates those ones. Those are the ones I have to watch alone, you know. So that's All so right. cool. So you mentioned your time in Japan and you mentioned a name that always fascinates me. I know I want to get back to the fun stuff that Kate brought up hundred percent because we want to get to know you as a person as well. But you mentioned a name that I that I'm I've been fascinated with for a while, uh, Junakiyama. Um, let me ask you this: to to quote uh, to rip off Conrad Thompson, uh, any fun Junakiyama stories? Oof, Jun. He was one of. Uh, I would say he was a major reason why I went to Japan. Um, I was working in Mexico at the time with uh, Ultimo Dragon. We had a big tour and we had a big feud in Mexico. Anywhere Ultimo Dragon worked, I was his heel. And we just worked together all the time, which culminated at his big uh, Arena Mexico show with 10,000 people. And what he does is really fascinating because there's a huge Japanese demographic in Mexico. And he gets sponsorship through the Japanese companies and gets all the employees free tickets. And it's almost like Japanese Day at Arena Mexico. So clearly when there's you know, 6,000, 7,000 Japanese employees in Arena Mexico, Maybe the biggest star in Mexico isn't going to get over. So he always brought in, you know, he brought in great Muda, uh, Minoru Suzuki, all these guys, big stars. So either way, the, the big match that night was uh, Akiyama and Ultimo Dragon and Mystico, the original Caristico, against myself, Joe Doring from Impact, and uh, yeah. Ultimo Guerrero. So we did this, and getting in there, it was one of those things where I knew what they wanted me to do. I knew how to impress him because a guy like that, you know, a boss, he's a boss of all Japan at the time. He knows that, uh, you know, everybody's trying to, to show him their strikes, their forearms. I'm strong style. You know, they want to be seen as getting the, you know, being able to do what the Japanese do. But I know this guy grew up watching Terry Funk and Jumbo Saruta, you know? So giving that to them, being the most American, American wrestler I could be is what ended up getting me an opportunity over there. So he took me a few times. June was such a class act to me. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with my experience with him. Uh, it's still kind of surreal because, like I said before, I was a wrestler. You know, I, I had the tapes, and I always felt that the international guys were almost bigger stars than the American guys, just because they were un, unattainable. It was almost like they're fictional characters because they're on a tape. They're not in my country. I can't come see them next Saturday night at the arena. The, you know, they're like, are, are they real? So those guys always made such a big influence on me. But he got me over there. He took care of me. Uh, I went on four tours. I was actually booked to uh, to the following tour. I was supposed to have my first singles match with Suama, who was a Triple H, uh, uh, the Triple Crown champion. And in between the tours, Akiyama got let go as the president, and Tajiri took over, and I was collateral. So uh, he was awesome. I had a blast with him. I have great All Japan stories. Got to meet Kabashi too, which was big for me. It's huge. All right, so let's get, let's get back to the fun stuff for a little bit. Uh, Matsbach asks, I don't think it's uh, a thing in Mexico, but have you ever had guinea pig in South America? I have not. I have not had it. I am not against trying it. If I was ever somewhere that I could be to try it, I would. Um, I've eaten a lot of bugs in Mexico. Um, a lot of bugs. They, there's, you know, especially Mexico City, because I don't think people realize how far south Mexico City is. Um, they do. You can walk down the streets and it's they have these uh, crickets or they'll have mealworms. A lot of these bugs just in these big dried containers that are cooked in peanut oil, and you just put them on a tortilla and put some sauce on it, and it's it's somebody's dinner, you know. So I've tried it. I'm not a big fan of the bugs. Um, 
let me think. What uh, octopus is big in Mexico? I like that a lot. Uh, I think octopus is big in the United States too, right? Yeah, I've had it sure here. It really I don't like that idea though, because octopuses are very, very intelligent, and I don't like eating them, but it was good. Um, I had eighty-year-old cheese in France. What? I had uh, yeah, the first time I actually had horse meat was in Italy. It was horse neck salami. They they, they used the muscles from the horse neck to make a salami. So. Um, Matt's going to be so excited now he gets to ask that question about yeah. people who worked Italy and Japan. I got, I got, I got I to write that down. Hold on one second. Horse neck salami. That's the oh, name yes. of the show. <laughs> and then there was a, uh, Italy's, Italy is my favorite place to visit from, you know, not even wrestling wise, just worldwide. Uh, I mean, just the culture in general is just gorgeous. It's fun to be around you. It, the only place I've been where you feel like you're in paradise 24 uh, seven, even if it's cold. But another good thing they had was squid ink pasta. It was like a it was like a lemon lemon pepper pasta, but it had this. It was just black as can be. And when you eat it, your, your tongue stays black for about two hours afterwards. It was, it was pretty wild. Pasta Nero, it was called. You like the George the Animal Steel of Italy after, after right? That. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some fun in Italy, man. I, there was one time I got booked through a company over there called ICW, and I think they still run today. But when I lived in Europe, I was fresh out of my WWE run, or my uh, my developmental run. So I worked all over the UK, and, and I'm making connections and this and that. The situation comes that I'm going to Italy. And these Italian promoters, they're not too familiar with the indie scene or the American scene or whatever. All they know is Sam Adonis was WWE. That's that's all they know. So we, get, we land in Rome, and then we have like a two-hour drive to the little town where we're at. We pull up to the town. There's a little stop sign, one stop sign. I look on the stop sign. There's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with my face on it. It's Sam Adonis. Oh, whoa. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We come drive another five minutes, come up to the four-way stop sign. There's four more faces with me. Sam Adonis. We get into town. I shit you not. There was 500 posters, full size, the 32 by 28, big movie style posters, with my picture, my face saying, WWE superstar, Sam Adonis. <laughs> so I'm there, and part of me thinks it's the coolest damn thing ever. I'm like, how many people can say you come to a small town in Italy and you're a rock star? Yeah. I absolutely love that. But the other part of me was like, oh, God, I'm going to have so much heat for this. <laughs> I was afraid somebody is going to hear that. Who are, you, what are you, who are you doing? What are you calling yourself WWE superstar? You were nothing. Especially because it, you know, it wasn't my doing. It was just through the grapevine. But, oh, man, I think that might be another reason why I love Italy so much, just because they've always uh, taken care of me quite well. <laughs> so as an NWA guy, I have to ask, what are your, like, old-school NWA go-tos? Like, do you have three or five matches, especially, like, growing up? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I I like the the uh, Flair Steamboat from Wrestle War, the third sure. one. That's, oh, yeah. that's probably my favorite one. Um I like uh, the Rock and Roll Express against the Russians when they went an hour on oh, TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was pretty good. Um, there's a six-man tag from Worldwide, I think, in 86. I want to say it is Flair, Anderson, and I don't know if it was Blanchard or Wyndham. No, Wyndham was a babyface. Sting, Luger, and Wyndham against Flair, Anderson, and Blanchard. And a six-man tag, and it was just, nope, got that wrong. Wyndham was a heel. It's Manny Fernandez who was the second, yeah. third babyface. Yeah, that's one of my favorite matches. I think it's on the Flair DVD. One of the Flair DVDs. Nice. Um, 
yeah, I just, I love it so much. Again, I think that that old, you know, I hate calling it old school because it never stopped working. That's, that's where right. my big frustration <laughs> happens. It's not like, you know, there's this and then this because of this. It's just, hey, we do this now. Okay, that might work for you. Go do that. Don't tell me this is wrong because it never stopped working. You know, and there's a lot of stigmas. I think there's a certain, a lot of people, you know, the one thing that people don't realize, it's so hard to be able to, to go and captivate an audience when they have no idea who you are. It's very hard. So a lot of these guys, whether you're on TV or not, if you take them out of that, you know, out of that position and put them in front of 300 fans in a gymnasium and nobody knows who they are, they're lost. When their signature move doesn't get a pop, it's because they don't know the signature move. But when you, you know, when you lock up and back up and say, hey, he pulled my hair, the people buy it. The people that, you know, because most wrestling fans don't live and die for wrestling like we do. Most wrestling fans, the, the general public that's just spending $10 that night to watch it, you know. So sometimes when it's a little bit more dumbed down and, and basic, just, you know, hey, this guy's trying to win. This guy's trying to win. What happens? Sometimes that's easier for people to understand. And it never went out of style, especially now when you sometimes see matches that, you know, that that go back like that. And, and when they're classic style, people rant and rave over them like it's, oh, my God, that was amazing. That was good old classic wrestling. Well, I guess we're trying to tell you classic wrestling works. <laughs> Doesn't that's have to so, be tables um, of blood all the time. That's such a good point, too, because. Like, I think people say that we've like evolved but it's like you don't evolve past that you're supposed to evolve with it right so that's so important because it's not evolution if you're just throwing it out the window and doing exactly. something else evolution exactly. is being able to spice up those fundamentals that you're referring to with these things i, I think new japan is probably the best example of, of professional wrestling evolving um they have some crazy stuff going on there don't and, and i think a lot of people think you can only like one or the other and that's bull you know, you can like both. I think, you know, I see right now that the internet is so divided that you, that you either like this or you don't. And if you don't like this, then you're a hater. And if you do like this, you're a fanboy. It's like, who cares? But there's plenty, you know, New Japan was always good about adding the old to the new in a modern presence, you know, and, and kind of keeps the fundamentals of wrestling. Um, I just think it's, I think the proof is the character work and, and the people that always end up the biggest stars are the one that do the least, you know, yeah. name one wrestler that literally is a, is you know, top of the line that does more than five or six things. None, you know, even the, the Dan O'Brien and CM Punk's have their five or six moves, you know, AJ Styles has had a million, you know, but he doesn't do a million. Once you figure out that, you know, they, they say it in wrestling, less is more, you know, it, it's, I think it's something that a lot of people, if they understood and paid attention that, you know, why don't we do this? It, it's almost seems like a light bulb in people's head. A lot of times you don't, that light bulb doesn't go off until you're 30, but you know, or for 40 for that matter, 15 years in, but once you get it, it's kind of, you know, a whole new ball game. Well, it so, looks like you're trying to actually win the match that way, which is something that I, I find myself appreciating more and more and more um, of actually looking like you're going out there to do the objective that you set out as a fan, it makes it so much easier to buy into. So I, I definitely hear that. I, I personally learn more now because again, I'm, I'm, I'm I can't even say jaded is not the word. I just, I've seen so much of it and I've learned as much as I can. 
And it's hard to teach yourself new, you know, new ideologies. Sometimes it's when you talk to someone that's been in the business 50 years, you pick up something new, you know, but a lot of times, a lot of the independents and we're all kind of on the same page in a lot of ways. Sometimes I think now my, my best ideas come from watching other sports. You know, I watch a football game and see what made that game special. Oh, it's because of this right here. And that, that penalty is where it changed. Oh, so, okay, maybe instead of, you know, the roll up with the tights, maybe he catches the tights. Uh, and, and you just, you can teach yourself tricks about wrestling, storytelling, and, and just the, the confines of the sport by watching other sports. Because at the end of the day, you know, that's what sport is. It's, it's a, you know, a competition of a, two people trying to win. You know, we've, we've come so far and we strayed so far about, you know, making it a competition of somebody trying to win and somebody lose. Now it's like the you know the, the story is all that makes sense, and in that in that sense it makes no sense at all. <laughs> and um, we're on uh, again with Sam Adonis. Uh, just a few more before, uh, before we let you go. You've been more than generous with your time with us uh, tonight, Sam. Uh, so we do appreciate that very much. And uh, you you brought up a decent point because newly crowned NWA champion Matt Cardona has uh, has a T-shirt that says the WWE was my developmental, and he seems to have been learning so much more on this basically his first independent run do you find any similarities with that with what you've done since has kind of maybe prepared you for a next chapter or any other chapter in your life absolutely a hundred percent and matt is one of these guys that you can tell genuinely loves wrestling and that's kind of you know there's only going to be you know there's always going to be a thousand guys getting released from wb but very few of them are ever going to find as much success or more success than they had in WWE because they don't have that passion, which is borderline of sickness. Matt has that. Matt waited till the time was right. Matt is able, he's smart enough to see what's out there and how, and Matt is not changing for everyone. Matt's being Matt all around and just reading the room. He's being a different Matt. The Matt from GCW is not going to come to the ring at, at NWA because that's not the crowd. That's not what they want to see. People are going to go home and say, hey, we didn't pay, pay to have my six-year-old kid flipped off. But Matt's smart enough to see that. He does that. He evolves. And it's it's a cultural thing. He's he's smart. I I did it with way less experience than Matt. I learned a lot in, a, in about probably a year and a half. And then I had to fend for myself with no name value. Matt's very lucky now. Not, not lucky because he worked his ass off. He's in a good spot because everyone knows who he is. And he gets to call his own shots. I personally believe I have a ton of respect for Matt because I don't think contracts mean nearly as much as most wrestlers make them out to be. Uh, I think freedom and being you and being the performer you want to believe is there's many ways to make as much money as an independent as there is to have a contract on a you know on an entry level. And people don't understand that. Wrestling schools teach you that. One day you can get signed. You can get signed. Hey, you, if you're real good, maybe you'll get signed. And that's just the beginning of the problem. How many people get signed for two years and then never wrestle another day in their life because they don't? They were never set up for anything other than that. In their mind, they failed. Whereas if you truly understand wrestling, understand yourself and how to apply yourself to each wrestling company in each city or state or country, then you can figure out the way to make money for you and basically be able to survive and thrive without a contract. I think that's what Matt's doing right now. And, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not too many other other than myself and Matt doing it that way, spreading yourself thin, you know, uh, especially you know, with, with my case without years of TV experience. Uh, real quick, um, 
text uh, from Shining Wizards, Matt, who is not able to join us tonight. Um, so the, the big story kind of uh, regarding your family, not you, but your family, is that your brother had been reported to be uh, cleared to return to the ring. Has he expressed any interest to you without speaking for him? Any interest to you about getting back in the ring? Or have you helped him try to get back into shape at all? Do you know what it's? His- yes, yes. We we worked out a, a while. I mean, he's every once in a while he's comes to hang out with me and, and uh, train with me and my girlfriend at the facility here in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's actually been cleared for a lot longer than anyone's ever you know known. Uh, that came out right around Royal Rumble time. So I I sent him a text. I said, if I find out you're in the Rumble and you didn't tell me, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> But I thought for sure he was going to be number 30 that got spliced away from Brock. I couldn't believe that. Everybody, everybody (laughs) was kind of, you know, on that same page, but um, it's, it is what it is. He, he's so happy where he's at. He loves WWE. Um, I I personally, I kind of, I hear both sides of the story, you know, on the independent, you hear some people talking great about WWE or talking terribly about WWE in their situation. But then I'll talk to my brother and he makes it sound like the best place on earth. So I'm unbiased to it. I think he's very happy where he's at. I think he would love to perform again one day. I think uh, if the opportunity presented itself, I'm sure he'd be happy to do it. But all I'm saying is if he is going to do it one more time, I need to be in the ring with him because I would love to be able to team with him once or twice, you know, take on the briskets or something like that. Oh, wow. There would it is. Would you rather face or tag with him? Uh, I would probably say tag at this point. Sure. Um, yeah, because I don't know. We've always had a professional rivalry. Uh, I think we just kind of, I don't know how well our styles would mesh at this point. Um, I, I hate to say it, but uh, in ring wise, you know, my career is, is far surpassed his as far as, you know, uh, uh, not, not ability, but just experience. You know, he, he did well. He did well on the independence. He did all that stuff. And, and he had a really good run everywhere. But then, you know, he kind of went to WWE and essentially, you know, had the situation happen, whereas my career has just kept on running. You know, it, it, it's if we maybe had the same amount of time and could compare that, maybe that's one thing. But I definitely have an unfair advantage because I've had, you know, five or six years extra extra on him in the ring. What a good um, brother putting his brother over. I'd rather okay. tag with him than embarrass him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's get let's get back to the place where, where you're currently featured on TV, uh, NWA, El Rudo, uh, just in that weird, I, I'm not going to say weird, but a very big six man or four team six man. So let me ask you this now, since you were, are you out 30 G's now or what? <laughs> no, no, wait, no, what were you asking me? Isn't strictly business. Weren't you in that like six? Uh, that yeah, no, we put that up and, to get and, in the tournament. Yeah, We didn't lost. lose. Okay. All right. No, I know you guys won the match, but I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. because yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure how that worked. No, no, it's, it's, people there's, getting there's dumped over other... the ropes. People. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's it's a team effort. All three of us work that together. Beautiful. So it'll yeah, it's still yet to unfold. But that was something that kind of surprised me a little bit because Tom Latimer was one that was with me in FCW. Um, you'd have to ask him, but I'm pretty sure Chris Adonis became Chris Adonis because of Sam Adonis and not Adrian Adonis. Uh, only because <laughs> we only because we had a wrestling match in 2013 in Italy in front in front of about 3,000 people. And that was right before he was going to wherever he had to change it. So I'd like to think I'd like to think he uh, he he stole that from me. But either way, I should just be Sam Masters on NWA. You know, I oh that'd be incredible. <laughs> Masters and Adonis, right? Why not? Beautiful. Absolutely. But I think uh, it, it's I think it's just a, um, the 
the situation they had me in with the rude dudes, I think we're still probably going forward with that as well. Um, there's just, it's just a young company with so many fresh ideas, fresh faces. It's nice being in there with all the guys that I trust and respect. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going well. So this weekend, this Saturday, I'm in Veracruz, Mexico for a triple A again. Nice. Uh, I have, I have, I have my own stable down there called La Presa, which is basically a, uh, there's three of us who started with CMLL who have basically, you know, invaded triple A and, uh, it's like the age-old adage. It's the same as WWF versus WCW in the 90s. WCW is classic wrestling, you know, the good stuff. And WWF was tables, ladders, and chairs. That's kind of the AAA versus CMLL rivalry. Um, so we come in representing the classic wrestling. And it's funny, though, because I'm, I'm the American. You know, I'm not really a classic luchador anyway, but don't, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's great. It's a good feud. We're working with La Parca and his kids uh, against uh, Los... So it's on Fight TV this Saturday, Rey de Reyes. It's one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. So if anybody wants to check that out, please do. 1999 on Fight TV, Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Beautiful. Um, Sam Adonis, thank you so much. At Real Sam Adonis on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, anything else, any other plugs, anything else you have coming up that you want to let people know about? Uh, and Anything that you just want to leave your fans with? Just please stay in touch. Uh, get on my social media. Uh, Real Sam Adonis on Instagram and Twitter. I post a ton of videos, pictures. Uh, my dates are always coming up. Uh, I'm very blessed right now because I, it finally feels like we're almost back to normal, if you will, after the pandemic. Uh, the dates are pretty good. Um, I'm all over the country quite often. Um, yeah, and just stay in touch. You know, I'm happy to, to find some new companies to work for and new matches to work against. So please stay in touch, and I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and enjoy your, your Valentine's date with your doggo. That's what I got back here. So <laughs> thank you so much, Kate. Thanks, Kevin. You have a good night. All right. Bye, well, man. Bye, Sam. Bye. All right. That is Sam Adonis. And just like that, he's gone. He was awesome. He was the best, man. And Kate, thank you so much for for I, I tend to get too into the weeds with like the real wrestling talk where like I kind of feel like we miss Matt a little bit because Matt just asked like like the real questions that like people want to hear, like like about the, shitting your pants. Yes, and I that's what that's where I thought you were going. By the way, I figured you thought I was going there. That I don't know how he makes that sound like a natural segue. You know what I mean? Yeah. he really has a gift. I don't know and, how he does it, but and I was thinking the horse about, me. I had to get in. Oh no, that's that was that's brilliant. And I was actually thinking about actually doing it, but in more of a polite manner. But I decided like. I mean, other... We could have done it and pinned it on Matt. You know what I mean? I could have easily read a fake text from Matt saying there you go. Matt wanted to know if you shit your pants. If you've ever shit your pants. Uh, so that was Sam Adonis. He was incredible. Kate, um, we're going to take a little break ski, come back, do a little uh, Patreon love for our people. And then we're going to be joined by our, our next guest, Pittsburgh independent wrestler, uh, Jake Mercer at around 830. So uh, I'm sorry, Zeke Mercer. I, th I think I said Jake. I'm sorry about that. Zeke, <laughs> Zeke the plumber Mercer is going to be joining us <laughs> for any Salute Your Shorts fans out there. Uh, we're going to take a break and stop Zeke the video. Zeke the Snake. I believe Zeke, the, Zeke the Snake. <laughs> Roberts. We're going to stop the video, stop the audio, but there's not going to be any commercials yet. Actually, if you're listening to this in podcast form, there will be because Matt and Tony are geniuses and I don't know technology. So we shall be right. Kate? Back after this. There you go.
We know you love shopping at Amazon, and we also know you love listening to The Shining Wizards. That's why you're hearing this commercial right now. But were you aware that you could combine the two, do all your shopping, and support the show at the same time? Well, of course you can. Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com and make your purchases the way you normally would. You're going to get the same great low prices, and a portion of whatever you purchase is going to go to support The Shining Wizards. How great is that? You, by purchasing anything that you normally would anyway, is going to support us. That's a win-win in my book. So from now on, when you shop at Amazon, go to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com or click the banner on our website and do all of your shopping with The Shining Wizards. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. Horns up, everyone. When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure every Friday to check out Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal is one of the longest-running podcasts on the interweb. And every week we bring you a fistful of metal, including interviews with all your favorite artists, discuss all the metal news, and feature the best tunes on the air today. So grab a Lemmy, join your cool Uncle Snowy, and co-host Aaron in the pit. Your recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting from the current to the way back. Join the impact player Phil Brea and the Portuguese Man of War Choppy for the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Live every week on RantEMRadio.com. Get all our episodes over at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Google Play, ShiningWizardsNetwork.com, and TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com. Are you tired of being told what to think and believe by Hollywood elites and politicians who just don't care about you? Tired of not getting the truth when you watch the news? Tired of trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Tired of mob mentality when all you want to do is think for yourself and make up your own mind? That's where we come in. This is Justin. And Vince. Your hosts of Inconclusive Breakdown. We are a weekly anti-PC podcast bringing you entertainment and current event news without any spin. If you want to truly stay informed on what's going on in the world, then give us a listen every Sunday, anywhere you get podcasts, at least till Zuckerberg and Twitter Jack deplatform us. And as always, we're proud members of the Shining Wizards Network. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Jury is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, pop in your VHS, and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. Also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. All right. We are back once again. Thank you, Sam Adonis, for joining us. Uh, catch him on NWA Power. 
catch him on all his other stuff down in Mexico and all the great stuff that he's been doing. Now it is time to thank a lot of other people. Kate, do you know who it's time to thank? I think it's time to thank members of the Shining Wizards Patreon. That's right. Thank you for supporting the show. All of you, let's run it down. Our Patreon producers, uh, the queen of the Shining Wizards, of course, Cass- of course Kathy Hummer, uh, the king of the Shining Wizards, Manny Cutso, Danny Rusinello, and Anthony Rusinello, the AOP of the SWP. Really thought I was going to butcher that. <laughs> Trickier than it looks. Oh, it's it's it's, it's awful. And <laughs> Sean Toe, of course, and Sean Kaleho, our two uh, friends named Sean. And this one. Me! There. She knew it. She knew the order. She, she knows exactly where she is on the run sheet. Uh, Kate Hensler, of course, she's uh, the person that you are seeing right now on deck. I see Watch that her on Fight Club. Watch. Do it. Follow her on Twitter. That's right. I miss Kate Fave now. Uh, yeah. How did you do that? How? Didn't you, you change? I thought you couldn't change. I thought you could change the. Are you still? Is it the same at? No, it's at Miss Kate. Yeah, you, you can you can change it. You can change the at. You can change the at. You can change anything. I did not know that. I yeah, did not yeah. know that you could change the at. It's um, true. You could change the at, so you can follow me at Miss Kate Faith, and then I'm Kate of podcasts. And um, Kate of podcasts. She's everywhere, <laughs> and uh, we are lucky to have her on a Monday night, especially because she's got some big plans going on later. So we're gonna we're gonna keep it going. Macarifo, no relation to myself. Uh, Matt Mellinger, uh, Christine Friesendorf, the other half of the Sign Girls, Mark Paroloni. Happy birthday, Mark! All right, that's gotta that's gotta end soon. Um, <laughs> uh, Kenny Halsey, aka the Scotch Drinkmore, Jacob, big copper pump of the Turnbuckle Throwbacks podcast. Find them here on the Shining Wizards Network. Uh, Thomas Cop, the Motzbach, the man of a million nicknames. I do have a plug for him. Uh, let me find it. I'll actually, no, I'll do that after I'll do that later on. But, um, are you referring to big Tom's ROH podcast? I am referring to big Tom's ROH podcast, which he does with our own William Mercier jr. Lives are going to be in their hands. It's so true. <laughs> ROH TV from this week in 2012, they're going through old ROH stuff. Rest in peace. Big so, ups to ROH. You guys got to give us, give me some more information on this. How many, how many eps are you guys in? What's going on with that? Anyway, uh, let's run through some of these other uh, other supporters who we love to death: Michael Hammond, uh, Matthew Birch, Braden Bergeron, the Berg. Yes, Berg. okay, the Berg. That makes the sense. Michael Jordan of this shit. The Michael Jordan of Mattel is that the Michael Jordan Mattel of Mattel? Figure the Mattel Elite Figure Collection, the Bergman, Coco B Berg. Yeah. Um, Brendan Heaney, love uh, love the brand man. Uh, Carrie Calling, Brian Schlong. <sighs> this is just weird to say, but that's what his handle is. Asian Joe. We love Asian Joe. He's big the Asian best. Joe. Big Asian <laughs> Joe guy. Not for Asian Joe. David Henry Bauer. I I I. I will. Third. I'm like I'm like Ron Burgundy. I will read. <laughs> I will read anything that they put on here. Exactly. David how. Henry Bauer the third. David Henry Bauer, I, 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 uh, <laughs> Michael Peterson, Robert Humphrey, and of course, uh, his pal Antonio Harsiman makes experimental music at harvestmanrecords.bandcamp.com. We mentioned them earlier with this Ring of Honor podcast, Kate. We're talking about William Mercier Jr. I was going to let you do the honors, but thank you for sending oh. it back to me. Lives are going to be in William Mercier's hands. You know what I mean? 
I do know what you mean, Kevin. Uh, all right. Uh, we're about five minutes away uh, from our next guest calling in. Oh, wait. What's that? There were There's more people, even no, though that's usually wait, the no, wait. Are we supposed to read that? Ryan Arthur at Elementary. Oh, Road. my God. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no they no. say off. I can't read. Never mind. I can't oh, read. Yeah. I'm, I'm Deke on Saved by the Bell. Zeke, oh, <laughs> so we have Zeke and we have Deke. That's right. Do you remember, Do you remember Deke episode? on the old class? I, I yeah, when it was I can't called, read. Good morning, Miss Bliss. It's like, what? Why aren't you laughing? And Screech is like, cause it's not funny. I know. <laughs> and no, that was a. Se- I felt bad for uh for Deke the plumber on that on that episode. <laughs> I know that's that's like that's oh gee stuff. But my sister and I reference that at least three times a year. God, Deke, say. if you're gonna get the Screech, you gotta go through me. And, and then like me. well, and then me and me and, me. <laughs> and like Lisa Turtle and what was it? What was her name? Nikki. Was it oh Nikki, the other girl before pre Kelly and Jesse? I, I think, think it was it Nikki. W- I think it was Nikki. Yeah, and then because yeah, Tori was on the back end. Yeah, Tori was. Tor- that was a weird thing because like Tori came in and then they had like two graduations. Like Tori came in and then they had like another like a bonus senior year with like Kelly and Jesse back. And yeah, remember- that's right. Oh my like, god! Yeah. There were like two senior years. It was very, very weird. But it jumped the shark. And this was the episode before Slater. There was Mikey. Oh yeah, I remember Mikey. Oh my yeah. goodness, he was the priest later. He was oh. the a priest later. He was a priest later. <laughs> a priest he was later. a priest later. He was a priest later. Kevin, you want to know? I'm I'm so excited. We have a second guest. Why is that? We can ask him the pants shitting question. Oh, this yes, we could definitely do that. We, we say this we, one happen. We save that. We save that for the second guest. That's the second guest question, I feel like. That is. That so, is. Let me figure out these banners and get ours back. Yeah, let's go a little pro wrestling tease banner down there. There you go. Check out some shirts for the for the shining wizards. From Data Breach University. <laughs> Kate, so while we wait uh for Zeke the plumber. No, I see that's disrespectful. Zeke, <laughs> now Zeke you're Mer- gonna call him that. No, I'm not gonna call him that because uh <laughs> seems like a very nice guy from Pittsburgh, a lot of wrestling history in Pittsburgh, so I can't wait to pick his brain about that. Amateur wrestler turned uh, uh independent star or a wrestler out of uh out of Pittsburgh. Uh so let's get back to your I know we have a lot of NWA to cover, possibly some MLW, depends. We can do whatever we want. We're flushing the format, and you know what? We're not going to even do it because our guest has just entered the <laughs> queue. So let's pull up his credentials and let's add him to the stream. Ladies and gentlemen, now joining us on the Shining Wizard stream yard, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Zeke. Mercer Zeke, how are you, sir? I'm awake. <laughs> You're awake. Should you be sleeping? It's, it's I, 8.30. I feel like I should. It's just been a long weekend. A long weekend. Did you have some Super Bowl fun? Is that why we're tired today? I did not watch the Fool's Bowl. (laughs) Oh no. I don't I don't I don't really watch football that much. I'm just kinda like if it's on, it's on. If it's not, I won't notice. Oh my gosh, in Steelers country you behave that way. How dare you, sir? I prefer watching watching the Packers anyway. I get like skewed for that. Everyone hates that. All right, so so if you're not watching the Super Bowl, Zeke, what are you watching, if anything, on a Sunday night? If you if not football, either more wrestling, wrestling podcasts, and some kind of content, or honestly, I'm probably just watching The Sopranos. 
Nice. Ooh, all right. So now, are you re-watching or are you first-time watching? First-time watching. I'm only 22, so I've never got to see it as it came out. So I'm just like, I can binge it now. 22. I got to go. I yeah, feel we're old. out. Zeke, we're at, it's <laughs> actually past our bedtime now. Great to so. talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone does that when they find out my age. I'm like, oh, screw you, Zeke. I'm like, what, what do I do? What? No, no, you, dude. That's the exact same reaction I have. I'm like, it's not my fault. My, that's when my my parents blame them. That, that's when they Facts. just blame them. I didn't do anything. I was. Yeah. I'm just here. I Could it be here. less up to us? That's right. So, all right. So Zeke is on the line at Zeke underscore Mercer on Twitter and the underscore Zeke underscore Mercer on Instagram. All right, so Zeke, you're from Pittsburgh. I just got to ask right off the gate. You're young. You're 22. Are you familiar in your learnings of pro wrestling how much history there is in the Pittsburgh area for pro wrestling? As funny as it is, like, even though I say I'm, like, built from Pittsburgh, um, I'm from Mississippi. I moved to PA, like, uh, in 2013. So this is, just, this is just a big work then, isn't it? There's just a whole big work. <laughs> but people say I'm from Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh, I guess, technically. I've, I've lived here the longest of my life. So I was like, yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not always familiar with Pittsburgh history. It's kind of like, uh, if I can explain it, like I was always a mark. I was a kid watching wrestling. I got into wrestling because of video games. Um, I didn't know about the Indies until like, oh, I was like 14 years old. Watch, find out through CZW and then Ring of Honor. And then I found the local indie scene. And then literally after like two wrestling shows, I was like, oh, I want, I, I want to actually do this. I was 17 and then. I tried out and started training. So I, I never like knew much of the area. I just kind of knew wrestling was everywhere. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, it really feels like, like I said, it was like, feels like an RPG half the time where I'm just like playing the role of a wrestler and find lore. Like, oh, here is in this arena, this happened. And people have like show cars and pictures from that time. Or like, oh, you know where you're standing right now? This is where this happened. So I'm always just like learning stuff from there. Um, I never will say I'm a historian of Pittsburgh wrestling, but I am much of a student. I mean, wherever you teach me, as long as it's correct, I will like try to remember it and like write it down. <laughs> so, when, so when when you decided that this is what you wanted to do, how how deep did you go in with your commitment to wrestling? Was it something that you just started a little bit at first, or were you all in right away? Uh, well, okay. When I started training, I was like I said, 17 years old. I meet like my dad. Uh, Asked my dad because you know I was seventeen. I had that get parents permission. As yeah. um, he said, "Look, you will put as much time as you want to with this because even though you did martial arts for years, you're doing a whole different thing now. So this is gonna be like your thing, and your commitment to it's gonna be yours. I won't hold you down to. I'm not gonna make you responsible for it because now it's like it's your dream. It's what you want to do. Go chase it." Um, that was a struggle only because I was in my senior year of high school working a job and training at all the same time. So um, there were some practices I missed, but I will always try to go to practice learn as much as I can. And just like, I always feel like I was behind in my classes because I couldn't um, always be there since I also didn't have a, a car of my own at the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, no, that'll hurt. That's a common story. You know, you try to like be in Mr. Independent and like, oh, I got, I got a job. Blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, dad, can you take me to work? Or, hey, mom, can you like drop me off? Like, like he's just always like that. So, <laughs> so a huge, huge past year for you, BWI, QWI. I feel like this whole renaissance of the indies over the past couple of years has been so healthy as far as representation goes. What does it mean to have those accolades for you and 
as far as the scene goes, I mean, you said you started training at 17. Like, I can't even imagine what that feels like going into an environment that's kind of known for adversity against these things. Just if whatever you're comfortable with, but how's how's that journey been for you so far? Do you feel like there's progress being made? Do you feel like there's progress that's being made, but maybe not as fast as it should? How's how's your experience been? Um that's kind of like a long way answer, but I'm gonna try to answer it like streamlined <laughs> Because there's like so many facets of like of my answer than you, you have the actual answer. Um, in my experience, I will say I feel that even just seeing more people of color on television is a boost to me. Like it's like it's starting to happen. Um, you probably know wrestlers who are black or Asian or even queer, and they're not on TV. Like now it's like because I think the indie scene is so like rich and just full of people that like I can go to work and pass by like two different people who have like an orange cashy shirt on or a Malka Elgin shirt from the old ring of honor somehow. It's just, it's just like, it's becoming, I wouldn't say as big as pop culture was in the nineties, but it's like, it's relevant. Is that, does that make sense? Like, yes, just, it like, absolutely yeah. does. like you can probably act like two people and they're like, Oh yeah, I heard, you know, Kodo Bushi. I know who Kenya Mega is or Koi Rose. It's like, it's becoming like relevant. It's cool and, again. Coming yeah. back. <laughs> and then you got like people now that well now you can start referencing other people who are just not like you know the standard wrestler it's like oh i know like, you ever seen lee moriarty i know some people who know lee moriarty only because of his work on instagram and the, like the uh, have promotional shots and his adult swim stunts like that's people know him from that i know some some other a classmate actually said to me that he knows a mass caster because he saw stuff from like uh, TikTok, of him just roasting people, <laughs> and it was just like it's it's becoming more and more common. Or my one cousin actually sent me a photo of Slay Kiss. Like, do you know this person? I was like, I mean, I know of them. <laughs> it was like, well, this person can do like gymnastics stuff. Have you seen this? I was like, yeah, they're they're a wrestler. Like, what's going on? But it's just like it's becoming like relevant. So it's good to see like it's not just they may know Cody, but they may know Lee or you know Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham because of something just popped off on Twitter or popped off on TikTok or held on Facebook, you know, it just made the rounds. Um, there are more, I will always say there are more wrestling, professional wrestling featuring black wrestlers or world star hip hop than I've ever seen before. And it's hilarious to me because <laughs> the most popular one, I think is Cedric giving like a spinal check to Candice LeRae, she pops up. Like that has so many views on world star hip hop, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, it's good to see that. It makes me, it gives me like hope that's like, oh, maybe people actually want diversity within wrestling of any type, so. Yeah. What what has been your, so far in your career, first of all, how long actually have you been uh, wrestling professionally, like getting like on a consistent type basis? Ooh, I would say, uh, if you say like, you know, consistent is month to month. Yeah. Uh, every month, uh, then I started like at 18. I officially okay. debuted at age 18. I had stay wrestling shows or a show since I was 18. All right, so now you're 22, so that's a good four years. Have you had an oh shit moment yet where like you just couldn't believe what you were doing? Um, the oh shit moment was my first match. Uh, we was playing, I, it was playing some kind of up to a six man, 
And usually when you do practice matches, you kind of like not say go through the motion, but you you just you start acting like you're in the match, you start behaving like you're in the match, so it just comes like second nature. And we was like literally made our interests and all that. And I'm in the corner waiting for a tag, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm actually doing this right now. There's fans right here. <laughs> <laughs> like people like there's like camera going, the hard cams, the wrong cam. I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing this right now. And that was like my debut. That was like craziest thing. I was like, oh yeah, this that's that's when I had the oh shit moment. I'm actually doing this. Um, another oh shit moment I will also say is when I went to Phil the first time and I met like a crazy amount of people I used to watch on television and featuring even people from like Grimm's tour show. Cause I'm young enough to like grew up watching Grimm's tour show. Oh, and Grimm. Into the people who wrestle on Grimm, Grimm's tour show. Of course. So like, I, I know you. I don't know. I forgot where, but I know you. And it's like, oh, because I watched it on YouTube as a kid. Like, kid. Couple years ago, I, I was gonna say, "Come on, YouTube as a kid isn't even something." I'm just feeling older and non, older as this interview goes on. <laughs> when I was not an adult, I was watching people on YouTube because all right, I'll I, take I, that. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like that was my old shit moment. Like realizing me, like oh fuck, or um, me staying Hanson. That was an old shit moment. I met him, sure, like fist bumped him. I was like, "That was that was fucking Stan Hanson." Just. <laughs> I had to like my friends were laughing at me. I'm like, but like you gotta understand, I was like 18. Of course, I'm freaking out. I don't know who this guy is. I watched his on uh, you know New Japan stuff as like as a teenager. So I'm just like, I just like, the guy used to kill people like, so I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, almost it, literally. It just we, we just make this like, you know, it's just it's crazy that way. So I mean, I'm probably still gonna have more. I'm only like. Not, I'm not even four years in. It may not be officially four years in, but like three years in, I had like a couple old shit moments in my career. So, so, so when you want to come on and, and and do a show, and we're more more than happy to have you. What what do you want to get across to people of what you're trying to accomplish in wrestling when you do interviews? Uh, what I'm trying to accomplish is mainly just have fun. Um, I never thought I would get to do this. Uh, so I I never said like as a kid, yeah, I'm gonna grow up and you know go to the WB and have and be the main event of WrestleMania and win the WWE championship like nah dude that I, I was short for the longest time as a kid. I never was a tall person in my class. So I'm not gonna reach six two. I don't reach like five six now. I'm five four by the way. Um I'm not big. I'm not like I'm I'm not big. I'm not big at all. So like to me uh just being able to do this is like kind of amazing. And people, I remember one time when people were telling me, like, especially like my dad, he wanted to like make sure I knew this was fiction. You can't like actually fight like that. I was like, yeah, I know. You train me how to fight. I'm a martial <laughs> artist too. I did MMA. I did wrestling. I know. And it was like, but when people were actually like showing me, like, oh, this is just how it's fake. This is how it's done. I was like, wait, it's fake? Cool. I can actually probably do this then. Because it's just. <laughs> yeah. That's... So you say I can't I really don't... fight. I mean, you can yeah, though. Like, so you say. Like one foot, maybe like one hundred thirty pounds, and do this. All right, cool. I'll I'll, I'll try it because I can't be six two. That's not happening naturally. <laughs> did you earlier that you were pursuing other art forms? Did you, did so, I hear you say that? Were you? Did you say earlier you were pursuing other art forms? Oh yeah, like I did uh, martial arts, like you know, other fighting. Like I did um, jujitsu, <laughs> karate, taekwondo, and amateur wrestling. Like literally before I started training to be a pro wrestler, I did amateur wrestling for about six years. So like, I knew how to fight. It just wrestling was always just something interesting. 
like yeah, it's it the was storytelling, always, right? It's it like, storytelling. Like I would say the UFC now is more like WWE. <laughs> but like when you was back when like the early two thousands, if someone had like a cage fight, it was just like you know we're gonna have we're gonna, have, we're gonna announce the match. We're gonna do the weigh in, aka the weigh in plus press conference. We do used to do it at the same time, and then you would have the fight. Like that is literally like probably six weeks worth of build, and not even probably like four sometimes. Um, and it'd be straight to a fight. There wouldn't be like no after, you know, after story moments or in story moments. None of that. It'd just be straight fight, win, whoever win, lose, draw, whatever, and we want to the next fight. With wrestling, it was kind of like it expand the idea of a fight to me. Yeah. It, gave, it gave people why why are we fighting? Who who am I fighting? Why do I not like this person? Or why do I not like the crowd? Or why do I act like a jackass? You know, it's just <laughs> it brings it's like it's like when you think about it, it's like all wrestling is just a contextualized fight. Yeah. Between yeah, two people. Or two people, a group of people, or two teams. That's the way it pretty much is to me. So, so like so, it was so first I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, no, no, it's my fault. Um, so, so real quick. So, with all these other areas of of experience in terms of martial arts and amateur wrestling, is there any wrestler that you've kind of been drawn to who also has that kind of experience? Like, say, like just for the Pittsburgh tie, Kurt Angle, or just for, uh, you know, like the martial arts, like a Bobby Lashley, or something like that. Is there anyone? that you've kind of gravitated gravitated to due to your links in the martial arts fields? Uh, when I was a kid, which means like 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, some John Punk. He definitely did have some more. Actually, some more. So, and how John technical style enough of amateur in, in a way um same with josh woods it's just it it, look, it makes it look realistic in a sense you know, if that makes any sense to you um it's still like don't get me wrong i love things like osprey and everyone's like why don't you do like moves like osprey like um i don't have for that i mean yeah but he's i'm 54 60 my knees like that thing like that but like, so like, it's just a lot of inspiration, I guess. But Punk and Joe would say like, it drew me in. What in your like MMA background has been the most advantageous piece of that, like translating into wrestling? Is it moveset stuff? Is it just having a built-in tolerance for pain? Like what, what skills that you had on the MMA side has made the transition into wrestling easier and what was missing for for that aspect too like what has become more challenging because of that do you think did we lose did we I lose zeke see i'm used to it being me so i don't want to say like <laughs> did we lose him and then it's just like no kevin you're the asshole <laughs> i will say Uh, think we yeah i think our connection is a little wonky it happens no worries bro
let's see if we can uh see does he want to do want to boot him and see if he can come back in yeah let's try that if that's all cool. right so zeke what we're gonna do if you can hear me we're just gonna remove you from the stream and then just try to get back oh he just did it himself or unless you did it did you do it i did not i don't i don't have right. that control all right so that's zeke mercer give him a follow seems like a great kid at zeke underscore mercer on twitter and the underscore zeke underscore mercer on instagram hopefully we'll get him back uh because he seems like such a, a nice young man who could probably even though he's five four, he could probably beat my ass. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he could beat our ass. So yeah, guy's got MMA <laughs> experience. Guy's got amateur wrestling experience. Yeah. So shout out to him. Hopefully we can get him back on. If not, uh, Kate, we could talk about a whole lot of other stuff. I want to dial back to your to your night at um. All right, nope, we got him back. So we're not going to dial back anything. We're going to try to add Zeke back to the stream. There you are. Can you you good? I can hear you. I can oh, hear beautiful. Me. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. This actually looks right, a lot better. I had now. to put my glasses on. I was like, I had to figure out what was actually going on. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, if it, if it wasn't you, it would have been me that would have totally crapped with the connection. So this happens. It's occupational hazard in the pandemic era, doing Zooms and, and StreamYards right. and all this stuff. So I don't quite remember where we left off, but if you were talking about something, Kate, do you know where we... Oh, yeah, I'd about, asked... Like, um how your MMA experience had translated into pro wrestling and what was made easier by that. And then if there are any challenges about that too, I remember punk saying like um, that sometimes when people go from MMA to wrestling, because you're supposed to protect your opponent and not hurt them, that it's actually trickier. So what was made easier and was there anything that was made more difficult when you were crossing over worlds? Uh, Learn to trust other people. Um, that was like a big thing because we're wrestling friends. We all know how this works. You got to trust your opponent. Your opponent is like your coworker. So like, it was kind of like, you have to be comfortable letting people do a, you know, um, do a move on you, do like a stunner, do like a clothes arm on you. Because, you know, in martial arts, the whole thing is meant to protect yourself. Don't let people hurt you. Don't let people get too close to you. Wait, who are you, so who are you letting, to, like, do, who are you letting doing a stunner on you? You know, people, people want to try out moves. You're in training. You got like a buddy who wants to try out like. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, work, you, work, you, work, you work in Austin. You work in Owens. <laughs> yeah. You work, you work in KO. Like moves, man. People love like learning stuff. You, if you ever got to train the wrestling room, you'll probably like start pulling up moves you want to do as a kid. Like, yeah. oh, I want to DET, so you'll be taught DET. Yeah. Like people want to try stuff like that. <laughs> so like you know, you gotta learn how to take bites and go ahead and trust people. And that was kind of hard because, I'm, like I said, I'm so used to like protecting myself and not letting myself get close. Um, I do. I think I did learn at least bringing over the barrier is that like you can very much incorporate any style of fighting you prefer, like you fought in into wrestling. You just gotta be smart about it. Like, sure, I could technically because of my experience jump on someone's like literally in front of them, just talking about right there if you really want to, because I know how to do that. But like, it's not a real fight, but you can make that your finish though. You could, you could make that your finish. You just gotta learn how to do it. You make it look cool. You can have a moment. You can have that cool GIF moment. You just wrench that guy's head, but you gotta learn how to do it correctly. So like, it's just, it's learning how to make the fight, I guess, realistic, but not like you're trying to kill someone. So you gotta learn how to trust people. <laughs> You gotta learn how to trust people. You gotta learn timing. You gotta learn spacing. Um, the pain tolerance is transferred over. I'm used to getting like knocked out and choked out. So like <laughs> not being 
no big out deal. Choke out for real is <laughs> a plus for me in my body. <laughs> um, that's nice to know. Um, and endurance, stamina. You you need that. Um, I came from a school in like uh, called Cam Mac. We were like best in our uh, section. We never lost our second title, and now it's been going for like twenty two years. I would say that was like close to like army training to anything else. It was such a top school. It was like everyone had their eyes on us. So it was like a constant hard program. You know, I'm I can cut. I can probably still cut like five pounds in a week because I know how to do that. Uh-huh. Like it was just intensity, and I think I, that brought over easily. And I wasn't like struggling with wrestling, such as the physical aspect of wrestling. So, I'm oh, sorry, Vicky, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask you about. You just had a match uh, two days ago with Troy Lords. Just wanted to ask how that was. How was that experience? Did you show Troy Lords no mercy? I, I that I did. <laughs> he put me on my neck, but I I, I did. Um, that's not the first time I faced Troy. The first time I faced Troy was back when I was uh, eighteen, so like a couple years ago. Um, I lost that match. I mean, yeah, I'm a, I was a rookie back then. You scouted him, though. You know now. (laughs) Yeah, but it's been some time. It's been some time. It's been a pandemic. You know, it's just like people change. And and Lawrence is still that aggressive dude. Like, he he doesn't – don't let his looks and makeup, you know, confuse you. He he will sock you in the face. He will dump you on your neck. Um, But I did walk away with a victory that day. So I'm very proud of myself for overcoming such a barrier in my early career. So (laughs) – I didn't even think about how much of – your young career has been in the pandemic. So you mm-hmm. have kind of spent the majority of your career in this very, very weird space. Did you yeah. wrestle during any no or limited fan shows or were you just kind of like off and then you came back around when crowds came back? I never stopped wrestling wow. to my detriment. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like... I got to put it in context. You got to shout. I, I debuted in May of 2018. So I had the rest of 2018 to be, you know, you know, in my home promotion. 2019, I was just starting to get, like, pacing. 2020, you know, I was starting to hit that different level. Uh, and then literally three months from 2020 starting, the pandemic started. Of course, yeah. Can't lose so, that like, momentum. If, it, if I was driving the car the pandemic would have been like me just land off the clutch in the middle of shipping to first to second. Like it just kind of just took all the energy out. It probably almost stalled the car. You probably scared yourself shitless of rumbles to do. I don't, I don't know how to continue on, but like there were a few outlets around the area, the tri-state area of like Ohio, West Virginia, PA, where they were like, Hey, we're going to do like these tapings over here. Do you want to join out on these? Or, Hey, we're doing this over here. Do you want to do this? And, yeah, so, like, I was like, well, I don't want to stop wrestling because I, in my mind, I just started. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I took those opportunities, especially with um, Real Shoot Wrestling down in, like, Fairmont, Morgantown, West Virginia. They were a constant stream of wrestling for me. Um, every, I think it was every Friday, we had a live Facebook show with limited fans. Um, mask on, you know, the fans had a mask on, so it wasn't like, too dangerous, I guess. But it was something for the fans to watch. We would have 800 to like 500, 800 views per Friday that we live stream for and people enjoyed it. And it, it gave me a great outlet throughout the pandemic. Um, I will say eventually I did catch COVID eventually, ironically, at an RSW show. Um, so, but still, even after that, I got over COVID, I continued wrestling. So like, it's just, 
I, I couldn't stop. I, to me, I just started. Like, I have to get my footing somewhere. I have to get some reps somewhere. And having practice matches is always not, like, the most ideal way to get reps in sometimes. Sometimes you need that live test. Of that course. Makes to you. So you mentioned you mentioned your home your home promotion. What what would that be for people that are looking to follow it? Um, my home promotion used to be PWX slash Fight Society. Where yeah. I started training was known by PWX, old NWA East. Um, and then when I was officially like on the roster, it was known as Fight Society. Um, I'm not associated with the hood no more. Things have oh. happened, oh. and but like that was my home promotion. So, uh, but uh, I was trained by Quinn Magnum there at the time there you go very nice and did i see you have a show coming up at wrestle pit too yeah i saw uh, that yeah, too on, on the twitter i'm not on the card but the, you you may never know something happened by him promoting uh it's a I, I i wanted to promote it because like it's a good pittsburgh promotion we don't have many at one time we didn't have many places to go around pittsburgh so like when a new promotion pops up that's actually full of good talent that brings in a lot of eyes you want to promote it, even if you're not on it. It's just like we all kind of we all kind of rise and ride the wave of everyone's like being successful from Enjoy to IWC to Rise to, you know, Prospect Pros. Like if we're all putting on great shows and everyone's and the fans loving the product, we will all we will all benefit from that. There's no point of just fighting against each other for fans. We just kinda of, you put a good show here, you put a good show here, we all will be successful. So like, I just want to promote Pittsburgh wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And I saw Josh Woods is on that card and you had mentioned him earlier along with some other Ring of Honor names. I am so bummed Ring of Honor shut down. You said you kind of like that sports face feel. I was so bummed that they shut down. But do you have any opponents that, or potential opponents that you have your eye on? Anyone (laughs) specific? I know Josh Woods is like, Pretty Josh high Woods, in demand right now, I would imagine that I would based love, on your style. I would and... love to face Josh Woods. I would love to face Jay Lethal. Um, I would also love to face um, Pittsburgh lo- local now AEW star Lee Moriarty. I love like he, he taught me so much stuff. He helped me with so much in wrestling. I was like, yeah, I, I want to face Lee. I don't care if I get my uh, my arm twisted off and compressed a lot. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want I want to face Lee Moriarty. Um, I'm trying to think of more people. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, call them all out. Yeah, right because you can't really, like, if, you, if, you, if you name people, they feel honored. And you're like, oh, you can hang. And if you don't name people, people get mad. So like, <laughs> so you you versus everyone. Then we're calling you, it me right versus here. Everyone, I don't That's even care. <laughs> so you you brought up a good point about promoting stuff that you might not ne- necessarily be involved with. How have you used social media to your advantage uh, in in the independent wrestling scene, especially during the pandemic? Uh, social media was literally the lifeline for some companies or like around the world during the pandemic. Like you didn't have much of a social media presence. Uh, you may not have the same promotion or even the same um, notoriety you asked before the um, with the pandemic. Um, that applied to wrestlers too. So like if you didn't have a great like social media standing or presence, you were kinda like kinda forgotten. And I'm not saying um everyone needs to be the master of Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or something, but you gotta be on something where people can see you and interact with you. Um I'm I still don't say I'm not like that well known. Maybe in my area, maybe in my town. Uh but like social media is like millions of people 
I have only like 475 people on my Twitter and maybe like a thousand so friends on Facebook. I'm not in front of everybody, but maybe, but I have proven that like, if you just keep up and like show some personality, interact with people, share a couple memes, you know, comment some things, your presence grows, even though heck you are. Yeah. If I could joke on Twitter, people retweet and they follow you. Um, you get named on like <laughs> a couple lists and people follow you just because you're on that list. Like it's insane. So like is social media is very important and it definitely like if anyone thought beforehand like Facebook or Twitter didn't matter, we live in a world like people got contracts because they were popping on Twitter. People ran big shows because of Twitter. Like the Young Bucks pretty much promoted everything through YouTube and Twitter. And I then and I led AEW. So like yeah, I think it's very important. It helped me kept the kept the flow. I post a couple of funny memes or dancing coffee memes. People loved it for a while. It was it was just good fun stuff. People just love to interact with you. You make good content, people interact, you keep your presence. Absolutely. And speaking of social media, you can follow uh Zeke Mercer on uh at Zeke underscore Mercer on Twitter and the underscore Zeke underscore Mercer on Instagram. All right, so 2022, hopefully some of the stuff is behind us. What are your goals? What are your ambitions for this year and beyond? Uh, for wrestling, I would say I would have to learn to balance out wrestling with real life. Um, when I started wrestling, I was a senior in high school. Currently, I am now a senior in college. Uh, that means I have to learn to adult into the real world. <laughs> I have to, uh, you know, find a place to live or, you know, you know, Got to get these um, student um, student loans payments start going. You know, I I just need to learn not to overwork wrestling because I would say before the pandemic, especially in 2018, 2019, I was wrestling like two or three shows a weekend. I was going everywhere just because I was a you know a new person around the area. I need some reps. I need to get some notoriety. I need to travel. Uh, since the pandemic, that has cut back dramatically because life is happening all around us um so i would say for goals for wrestling at least for wrestling itself it's like learn how to balance that better um not everything has to be wrestling and wrestling's not everything but wrestling's always there for me and i should use it as such a way to escape um so i learned how to like pick places that i'm going to be at least valued at more than just like oh they'll just they'll just use you and move on it's more like i'm trying to stick around and build like my name in certain areas of my area. So like, yeah, it's just more like quality over quantity, if that makes sense. You know Absolutely, what I mean? yeah. What yeah. was it like going to college and pursuing wrestling? My goodness. People hate it. People call me dumb every day. <laughs> what? They should like. They're like, why are you trying to? Wait, so in, 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 like, wait. In, in which circles? The wrestling circles or the college circles? Sometimes both. They're like, why would you go to? Like, why would you? By the way, anyone who thinks about training for professional wrestling, it's not like it's like, oh, you pay fifth, like, you know, a, a cool 500 bucks and you get trained. No, my training costs $2,000. To a 17 year old, that's a lot. That's a <laughs> lot. <of money. laughs> to the 30 year old, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Like, I, there was a lot of money. Like, that's an investment. And then not only that, you're, you're going to make this investment for yourself at 17, but you're also in a year going to make that investment to go to college at the same time. Um, Especially my first year of college, I didn't have a car. So I was still like asking people like, Hey, can you come pick me up? I'll have twenty dollars in the gas tank up. Like I, I like I had to like find a way. Sounds like, like wrestling. Sounds like so, wrestling to me. 
Yeah, it's wrestling. And there's some days where, you know, I could make practice. I I never missed a show, I would say that. But there's some days I could we get to practice or because I couldn't afford to either drive a lift back home or have a way back home. And so like and I can't just like go home home. I have to get back to my college. I because I have school Monday. Like I can't miss that. I pay for that. So like it was it was hard. I will say that. It got easier with a car. I will say that. Of course. <laughs> um still got learn how to do that balance. Um well, Britt Baker think... got a whole ass medical degree, so when people hate on you for it, just point right, to her right. and give like, them the middle well, finger. I think yeah, it worked I, out all right. And, J- and Jim Ross <laughs> says it all the time: go to go to school. Go to Wrestling school. will be there. Wrestling will be there. Go to school, especially when you know uh, everyone wants like, well, you're so young. I mean, if you just had like a part time job and you did wrestling, you could you probably be on the way to impact by now, or impact, or you know, any other promotion. I was like, but yeah, but I want my education. I don't want to just yeah. pursue wrestling and even if wrestling goes a bust or my, you know, like my knee shires or something, I can't wrestle or whatever. Or just also, or not, you know what I mean? Right. Sometimes those like, opportunities you know, don't come and then yes. what? Yeah. So like, you know, I was just like, you, you need something to fall back on. And I was like, yeah, I know what I always want to do when I go to school. It's just wrestling. It's like, oh, I didn't know I can do this so early in my life. I'm going to do it now. Hell it's yeah. kind of a spring yeah. decision. Like, just let's do it. So rest, so school was always the plan in the long term. It was just wrestling. It was just like, oh, I have free time now. So well, <laughs> just well, do it. Why not? Well, well yeah. you, you always have the Shining Wizard Wrestling Podcast to fall back on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, it's getting kind of late, but we do want to thank you for taking some time out of your night uh, to join us. Uh, Kate, do you have anything uh, anything else you want to ask Zeke before I uh, plug his stuff one more time and then uh, just ask if he wants to leave uh, his fans with? I stole this ringer of a question from another podcast, but I'm, I'm going to start asking it more. What is one thing that you're very proud of that not everybody would already know about? Oh, wait, repeat that. Sorry. What is one thing that you're very proud of that not everybody would already know about? Um, I know. That's why I stole it from another podcast. It's a tough yeah, one to close with. Yeah, Cause we're, <laughs> I mean, we're not, cause we're not that smart. <laughs> I mean, I, I would because if you just saw me on the street, you would never guess I was a wrestler. And if you ever saw me wrestling, me, you'd never guess I was a college student. So I would say the fact that I'm in college trying to secure an education and get, you know, a better life than most unfortunate people and trying to better my life as a student while also chasing my dream is like a crazy accomplishment that not a lot of people even re- who are wrestling can do. High five through the camera. Boom. <laughs> but, That's yeah, awesome. So, but <laughs> I love that. And I love the fact that like um I'm now like I guess representation of queer people and black wrestlers. Uh I can't be I made that list at first at 19 and I think no, I made it at 20 and I'm you know 22. It's like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like I made it again. I'm like, I don't know how you found me in this area of Pittsburgh, but <laughs> <laughs> But like, you know, I'm not like that relevant, but like that list kind of made me somewhat relevant. So, and the QWI. So like, it's great to be seen like, oh, you also are a representation of marginalized groups and minority groups in wrestling. So like, I will always hold that close to me. Like I actually did that while in college and still pursuing education. As you should. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's pretty safe to say that you have two new fans in Kate and I. So we will be supporting you. We will follow. We will uh, retweet. We will do everything we can. But Kevin, get... where can I follow Zeke? 
Oh, well, Kate, that's very, very <laughs> simple. If you're watching on all of our social media platforms, you can follow Zeke Mercer on social media at Zeke underscore Mercer on Twitter and the underscore Zeke underscore Mercer on Instagram. Zeke, it's been a pleasure. I can't wait to have you back on anytime you want to come back on. If you got something to promote, you got something to do, you got a message you want to get out there, more than welcome to come back on here. But real quick, anything you want to leave our audience with who is just getting to know Zeke, for the first time, or your fan base that's already established with you? Before uh, if, if, if anything, just have a message. Just like, just do what makes you happy. Um, there is a way to do it. If you really love it, if you really just enjoy it, just find a way to do it. It will make you happy in the long run, and you won't regret it. So that's me with my wrestling and education. I hope that applies to everything that you want to do or accomplish. So in the words of Nike, just do it. There it is. <laughs> there it is, Zeke. Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, again, Anytime, open door. We'll get we'll slide into the DMs later just to thank you and uh, show our appreciation for taking some time. And we wish you nothing but the best. No problem. Thank you guys. Thanks, Zeke. All right, that is Zeke. Gonna go ahead and uh, how do I do that? Did I do it or did he do it? He you did. did. It. I did. Did I remove him? <laughs> Sorry, Zeke. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Real quick. Uh, but now Zeke, and just like that, that's Zeke gone. is gone. No, that was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, I wish nothing but the best for for him. Young, 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, future is bright, clearly. And, Hell of a work ethic behind that person of uh, no. going to college, pursuing wrestling. That's a lot. Yeah, and that's really what that's really what it's all about. Because because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna need both at some point. I'm not saying you need, you're not gonna need both, but. You're one injury away from needing both. So. Yeah, or you're like one like bad grade away from like getting kicked out of school. There <laughs> like, you go. You're, you're you're one you're you're oversleeping for one class away. There it um, is. <laughs> uh, sorry, Towson University. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> but that was Zeke. Uh, very very nice person. I can't wait to hopefully have him back on at some point. See, what's great about what he does is he promotes stuff that he's not involved in. I love that. Yeah, it made it a little tricky because I was doing my research, but no, no, um, no. I listen. We're 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 getting introduced to these to these talents as they are getting introduced. To I us. know, but it's smart. It's healthy. It's a healthy thing to do to promote other shows in your area. So loved that. Also, very cool merch, by the way. He he does have a pro wrestling tea store, right? I yeah. did see that, and it's some cool show. No mercy, because Mercer. Oh, that's dope. I, I, yeah. I gotta check that out. Let me, cool, let me click cool the link. Shirts. No, because he's got the link in his Twitter profile. Yeah. Uh, so let me check that out. Uh, so Kate, I don't, I, I don't know what you want to to get into. I don't know if you want to. Do you want to talk about Atlantic City? I do want to talk about Atlantic City. Let's pull back that that AEW banner that I had on throughout <laughs> Sam Adonis's <laughs> interview. Well, mostly because I have to. I don't want to bury Matt on Valentine's Day, but we do have to talk about the fact that he totally wimped out in not meeting Jay. Switchblade White. All right. So <laughs> I feel bad about burying the guys when they're not here to defend themselves. I don't. But let's I. Go. Okay, that's fine. And this is gonna be this is gonna be Kate's segment. There and it is. No, is, I don't. Uh, it's not burying. It was just like, it's like, oh, I could have. Sh- you you saw somebody's, and I wasn't at the table, but I saw many reenactments. The, the watching somebody like watch the chance to shoot their shot disappear right in front of them Kate, was like story of my life absolutely heartbreaking for him um and he was like gonna say something but then he like double clutched and then he thinks 
I think thought Jay White saw him, so that he didn't want to be weird. So he's oh, like, so like, so like Jay like White, so Jay White kind of like knew something was going to happen. Like Jay White saw Matt and was like, "Oh, this guy's going to come talk to me, isn't he?" I think, and then like saw him like, I think they did like a little bit of a dance, but it was it was in the casino. We not we were not weirdos. We didn't seek out where talent was going right. to be, but they happened to be at the hotel that we were at. Um, the whole experience was was really fun. We parked and we grabbed dinner. And what I loved was like once you were parked at the hotel, the venue is off the boardwalk. So you don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about shit. You literally like walked out of the hotel, took a left, and you walked into the line of the venue. It was so nice how easy it was. Um, venue was great views wise. Not the most comfortable chairs in the world, but like as far as full live the episode, like a hundred years old super old and it was kind of cool they had like we didn't explore any of them obviously because we were trying to just like go to the show but they had little like uh like historical little artifacts like i guess there was a mr peanut thing and they had like outfits from boardwalk empire and stuff like tributes to the area it was like part museum the snack situation artisanal popcorn they had a mrs fields Really? Yeah, they had some really the snack situation was really good, which how was it, good because Brandon doesn't care about how wrestling. would it compare to like your traditional mainstream venue like MSG or Prudential Center in terms of snacks? Um, in terms so in terms of snacks, I think better. <laughs> Very in important. In terms of like actual burgers and stuff, probably not like as good. Um, but it was a it was just a for from an episode of AEW Dynamite standpoint too probably one of the best episodes that they've had and uh as far as the live ones from like bell to bell i think probably the strongest one like i think my favorite episode like live experience that i've been to was probably arthur ash because it was arthur ash and yeah. we saw kenny omega and danielson but from like top to bottom as far as a card goes like the way that episode was structured was just so unbelievable um so, so let, it was still really, really good. Let me, let me let me ask you this though, because the whole hype, and I'm sure you guys dissected this a lot in the Thursday night show. If you're not following them, follow them at the Mark Order Podcast on the Shining Wizards Network, available just like us anywhere you get your your podcast. Um, so there was a lot of hype for this show uh, via Tony Khan, via his usage of the term Forbidden Door, and that's what we do here. We talk about Forbidden Doors and talk we about. Do. And, and, forbi and forbidden, forbidden door talk and forbidden talk door about forbidden yeah. doors. Yeah, and, and I, I also have, I'm also dyslexic, and I totally messed that up too. It's fine. But so that's in, how forbidden the door is. We're not even supposed to be talking about it. That's right. There are supposed <laughs> to the five bidden doors. Um, <laughs> no, we don't have the bell. I, I don't have the bell. I, no, I gotta get a bell. <laughs> so with all the hype that this show had, with all the speculation, and no one knew. Which is great. No one knew. Uh, at least maybe you did with your with your connects. I didn't know with any of mine. So did you feel like it delivered with what the hype was in terms of surprises? And at any point in this show, did you think that Keith Lee and Switchblade was it? Was there any point in your night where you thought we could get something else? So I felt like the whole, in my opinion the whole episode was constructed around keeping you guessing until the surprise happened. And I think having it in the middle of the card was so smart. So for the first time ever on AEW Dynamite Television, 
They set up a match. Well, just because this this dorkiness has been going around. They've they've never done this before where they set up a match for later in the episode in an opening segment or any segment. Yeah, that's a good point. It was it was pretty cool. And because there was a void there for who CM Punk's partner was going to be. People were like, oh, is Isaiah Kennedy the swerve? And it's going to be Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe and Punk are teaming up. Like, so I feel like that was done to make you question everything, right? Like maybe it's not going to be Isaiah Kennedy where this person gets revealed, or maybe they're going to be in both matches or whatever. Um, Samoa Joe seemed like such a natural fit for that story. So I actually, in in a text message to my buddy, who's a born again wrestling fan because of (laughs) AEW. No, I swear he stopped watching for, it was a a casual, but he went to the one in Newark. Uh, He got, he got floor seats. His wife gave him floor seats for, for the show that we were at. And we were texting and I'm like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I was like, I don't think I'm any better than anyone else, but I I was like, CM Punk's partner's Mox. Like it's going to be Mox. Did, was that, did that ever cross your mind ever that it was 100% going to be Mox? Or was the Samoa Joes, were the, you know, any, anything else crossing your mind at all? Well, him tweeting in the middle of the show at Danhausen and at Samoa Joe, I think, was very fun. Punk <laughs> did that. Punk did that. He was like, Samoa Joe, are you in the country? And then like, hey, Danhausen. And then later tweeted, never mind, at Danhausen. Um, I, Mox seemed like a, a logical fit, but I think because... Tony Khan sometimes likes to spill his box of surprises. Right. You know, no point did I feel 100% on anyone who it was going to be. Um, there was part of me that thought maybe it was going to be Danielson in like a turn with the the Mox Danielson angle that they're running about forming kind of a stable. Uh, who, but, Punk, Punk and Danielson? Yeah, like Punk and Danielson would have been a possibility as a way to like sow the seeds with Mox or something. Like they love to... Yeah. mix up stories like that yeah so i thought it was a possibility but i loved that i loved the opening segment in general mjf coming out on the throne thing i thought that was so much fun um but so there was that kind of like let me throw a question mark in that and then um you know you saw the switchblade trailer and you're like well i don't think he's coming out because they weren't going to waste the pop on the video yeah. package with yeah. switchblade so it's got to be someone else. And then they had Matt Hardy look Isaiah in the eye and say, I don't know who the surprise is, which made people think like Jeff Hardy, Did Jeff Hardy get out of his non-compete yeah. early. Um, once it became apparent, it, my guess was that it was going to be Keith Lee as yeah. the second they put switchblade up there. And I was also thinking it might be switch switchblade or uh, Keith Lee and, Maybe Tony Khan just messed up the wording of his tweet, which is what happened. And they gave yeah. us two surprises. But I was like, I think Tony Khan just got ahead of himself on Twitter and it's going to be Keith Lee was he, kind of my thinking from the beginning. Is it just me or has Tony Khan like aged like 10 years in a year? Yeah. If you, look, if you look at some of those old graphics, he was like, like the, his short hair wearing suits. Like, and now he looks like a, like a, ah, I don't want to be insulting, but he, he, no, looks, but in one, he looks like he doesn't sleep. He, he in like the course of two years has aged like when you see a president at the beginning of their term. Yeah. <laughs> He's aging like a president. Um, so what happened with I that? I don't what... think he does sleep. I think he just is constantly doing shit like this. What happened with them? <laughs> Did you hear any more about the uh, Fox uh, uh, Congress run? Is that happening or is that not happening? That is not happening. That so why... was like 
I can go file that paperwork and say Kevin Garifo is running in Florida. You know what I mean? So, you can file it for me? I think you have to technically be a resident of Florida, but like that well, the paperwork that got filed was not like an expensive thing to do. It was just like an AEW fan, I think, having fun with press. So wait, so you like you could go to Newark, New Jersey or wherever or, or Trenton or wherever it is in New Jersey, and you can s- literally submit paperwork that Kevin Garifo is running for Congress? I think so. I think that's what happened. Like, it sounded like it was a fan who filed it for fake. Oh, for fake. Yeah. That's no good. But well, wrestling is a work. That Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so when I when I saw the Switchblade and Keith Lee stuff, I was like, right, you know what this... Well, first, I'll start when I saw Switchblade. I was like, this has Daniel... Uh, this has uh, Adam Cole, Daniel Bryan, and all over it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. This is a surprise, but it's not the surprise because Keith Lee, I mean, uh, Switchblade, whether, whatever you want to say about their audiences, he's been ingrained in us wrestling with uh, the new Japan in, in California and an impact. So it's like, all right, this is cool for AEW fans, but he's already been here. So this isn't super mega surprising. So it's going to be something else. And then even when I saw Keith Lee, as awesome as that was, and I, I believe me and Matt said it last week on the show that it was most likely going to be Keith Lee. I still like felt like the way it was done left me wanting more because what, what Tony Khan, I feel like has a tendency to do is that when he doesn't hype something, it delivers. And when he does hype something, it doesn't. So I'm not saying that Keith Lee didn't deliver. It just left me wanting a bigger surprise. Because you knew what the surprise was, kind of, I think. Like, that makes sense to me. I'll say getting to sit by Matt during that Jay White moment was so much fun. Because Jay White is his guy. Like, um, Yeah, because the only one that had the hype who you knew who it was going to be probably was Punk. And that was just because... But you still didn't know, though. You still kind of, technically, you didn't know. And, like, there's a difference between someone who got released from WWE and you're picking up 90 days later and someone who left for seven and a half years and is coming back um, and had an indelible mark on a whole generation of wrestlers, wrestling fans, right? Like, that was, if they told us about it or not, that was going to be as big as it was. It was going to be 11 million views on YouTube big. Yeah. I am kind I of. Wa- I, wa- I watch it at least once a week. Yeah, least. I mean, I. The yeah, Punk's debut, I watch like because it gives me his and Adam Cole's gives me chills. It's unbelievable how yeah. timeless that moment is, and I thought I just because I'm a punk girl, I thought it was me, and I know people who were like, I liked punk, I didn't love punk, and I watched that like like you just said, like on a weekly basis because of what a moment in wrestling it was and how they didn't overproduce anything about it. Like he just came out there with the microphone they didn't say anything those guitar chords hit and he came out yeah i think i am and i said i said this at fight club too i am over tony khan mad libs like i am done with the like (laughs) it's this but it's not but it is a shiny green star from impact like i'm done i'm done with that because of what you just said like the surprise me thing i know that when sting genuinely caught us all so off guard that the network was like that was huge that was huge but the network was like imagine the rating we would have done if you had created some buzz around this so 
part of it I think is TV and part of it is like that Atlantic City show was not sold out. Right. So I think he might have genuinely be trying to, you know, get eyes on the product, which I can't blame the guy for, but um I I am ready to just be surprised in those situations yeah. instead of like um or 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 don't sell me like the bill of goods that goes with it just be like hey there's a big debut coming up like let me let me speculate wildly until until then like i don't need yeah. the like forbidden door language i don't need any of that shit like yeah because when i saw the that tweet happened when i was on air actually on friday and i was like oh it's probably josh alexander forbidden door impact like that makes sense they said josh alexander's name in a in a promo last week like it's probably that and then of course like the world blew up on it right so um i'm ready like you said like those one two punches are great but like i kind of figured out who who the the left hook and the right jab both yeah, were. yeah exactly so it's like you hit me with two surprises but i kind of knew who they both were like um because I was like, well, if it is Forbidden Door, it's possible that it's Jay White. If it's not, it's Keith Lee. And then it was both of them. Very awesome. And being there live for it was incredible. And then the match that happened for Keith Lee, I just thought was so cool. Because Isaiah just bumped like a fucking maniac. Yeah. And he also just looked so good and was able to do, you know, pursue a skill set that I think WWE had really reined him in on. Um, where you saw some really cool Matt stuff. And then you just saw him absolutely fucking yeet Isaiah into yeah. <laughs> So it was just, it was really cool to to see, to be there for that moment. He was massively over. He's so different than anyone that they have there right now. Like, and he just, his presence is so unbelievable because he's such a massive dude. Um, yeah. But so um, lovable. Like you just, you cannot help but cheer for the guy. So um, and, I and think I, he's going to be really, really special. And, and, I, and I think a lot of that has to do with how, loyal his fan base was that followed him well before he even got to nxt yeah like, truly like, especially in this area in the, in the northeast and and beyond like keith lee is the guy that you just root for especially when you see what happened to him at the tail end of his wwe run he was given the world in nxt given the world may have taken a little longer than people would have liked but being the only person to hold the north american championship and the nxt world championship at the same time and all of a sudden and I, I don't blame, I believe he lost it to Cross, right? He lost the NXT championship to, to Killer Cross and he had to give up the, he had to give up one of them. I forget. The no, one, I think you're right. I think he vacated the North American title. He vacated the North American and lost to Killer Cross. Um, so, and just like that, Keith Lee on, on the on the main show had a great showing in that rumble. Brock Lesnar put him over with just a simple face reaction. Just saying that's he a big boy. Reigns. Ju he faced Roman Reigns. And like he, they they pushed that yep. dude initially. Yep. And because that was the, the tri-branded NXT SmackDown Raw Survivor series. And you know, he was the last guy out to Roman Reigns. And a bigger endorsement, again, I think from Brock Lesnar is when Brock Lesnar is throwing all these people out in the Royal Rumble. Keith Lee comes out, and all you see is Brock Lesnar saying, That's a big boy. Like that's in his way saying that's a badass, that's an ass kicker. This guy is a real threat. Despite and to how me, that's him saying this person's on my level. Exactly. Like, and he did it with Lashley too. You can tell when Brock Lesnar is excited to to face a big media man slapping meat. 
<laughs> no, you're big man meat. There it is. All right, Kate. So I know we're we're about nine twenty-five. I just want to run through a couple things real quick, if that's all right with you. I know we probably have some big plans. Let's go right in to the Impact Wrestling. You mentioned Impact Wrestling has been on fire. I couldn't agree uh, more. This past uh, week on Impact, we saw the development of the, a lot of storylines. Uh, a lot of them in, involve factions, including uh, speaking of Switchblade, the Bullet Club. And uh, and violent by design, uh, skating back and forth promo between the Bullet Club and Eric Young of Violent by Design. Of course, uh, then you had the Good Brothers come out and support. Uh, what are your thoughts on on both this going on and both the Honor No More and Team Impact going on at the same time? Which we just learned Josh Alexander will no longer be a part of. I this is kind of like my favorite invasion e angle i i think it has something to do with the fact that everybody from roh like they have so much pride but not that much to lose so there's just like a yeah. very fun um dynamic there and it's just i don't know why this one has just felt better and yeah. and been done better um and i, I think i think you hit the nail on the head despite the fact that ring of honor is coming back for for april None of these guys know what technically know what their spots are, so they yeah. don't know. So they don't really know. So they're either here to stay here or they're going back to nothing. So why not risk it all doing this? That's a great, great point by you. And they just like not that everybody there was like a pure wrestler, but like the the they were kind of like the last remaining sports based feeling pillar and. Like one, especially when NXT went away, ROH felt like the only thing yeah. left, like when we went into the 2.0 era. So like, it's, it's kind of nice because I feel like there's like an organic pride there and it's not like a manufactured, like, well, I worked for this and <laughs> I worked for this. Like, it feels like a like, sincere, like we say like, in Survivor Series, like brand supremacy. Brand supremacy. Brand supremacy. Brand supremacy. Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. it, it's like there, it's more than the, the name of the company. Like, I, I think there's a, a sincere connection to what ROH meant in, in the yeah. pro wrestling world. And that makes it really fun because it feels like those those two promotions are kind of the most opposite. I feel like, I feel like impact. What I've loved about it is that it's a little bit more character driven and that you do have like such a variety of things happening there. Like the X division is such a completely different thing from anything else. The it's... knockouts are insane. Like you get such a buffet there. And then ROH, I think was the most specific to itself yes. that this whole thing is just like working really well for me. And so we had, um, Team Impact wanted to recruit uh, Jonathan Gresham to be on their team to replace Josh Alexander. That does not look like it's going to be the case. It looks like it's going to be Steve Macklin uh, being their fifth guy to go up against uh, OGK, PCO, uh, Vincent, and Kenny God, what King. a match that was, huh? Macklin oh, and, and Gresh. That was that was incredible. Gresh made the save on uh, for this past week against uh, Save Kerry Silken from getting beat up by Honor No More. Uh, so that's that's something that I think that's like um, I think both uh, stable feuds are are working well, but it's weird for me with the Bullet Club and the Violent by Design slash Good Brothers because it's hard for me to tell who the baby faces are and who, yes. like, who who the good guys and the bad guys are. If you want to look at it like in the same spectrum as Honor No More and Impact, then I guess. 
Good Brothers and Violent by Design are the good guys, and Bullet Club are the bad guys. But I mean, they've these other guys have spent their entire run lately as the bad guys. So, and Bullet Club has always been historically the cool stable. So I don't know. It's very interesting, and the fact that they record in in that place where they do, no disrespect, but where the crowd doesn't necessarily always react super energetically to everything that happens it's tough to it's tough to gauge and i think it's um i don't know it doesn't feel like the most diehard of crowds either to me just like in general you're you're there for like six hours you're there for a really long time um it's a little confusing because it feels like the most casual one but like how do you have a casual impact fan? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know exactly. what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, I don't know. What, they're not taping it like Universal where, like, you can, like, bark tickets. Like, hey, come see, like, this and yeah. get in for free. I, I, at least I don't think. I think they pay for it and they're there for the entire run of, like, weeks of tapings. Like, I think No Surrender on Saturday has already been taped. I think. I believe so. Yeah, I think they're still yeah. kind of taping ahead like that. Yeah, it's not um, like a super major pay-per-view. Yeah, I I don't I'm just like kind of a bullet club nerd, so but you're right in that there's some ambiguity around the like face and heel story. And then the Good Brothers, like it's weird to me because I feel like they fit in more with Violet by design. They but, do. Like, the story, right? Like, <laughs> they really do. Like, the story like, I... is is a little off on that. You know what I mean? Like they kind of like left Bullet Club but are in Violent by Design, but they feel more organic. Like they should have kind of betrayed the Bullet Club in all of this, but like. It's like, and, well, yeah, because those and guys. Maybe, should and be maybe their they friends. will. Maybe they will. I don't think they will, but maybe they will. But it's it's so weird. Like when I when like when Luke Gallows and Joe, and Joe Doring teamed up like a week or two ago, I was like, I want to see this again. Like, I, hell yeah! Like these guys are two big badass sons of bitches. I want to watch them team. God, I love Joe Doring. I really do. I, I wanted think. to bring him up, with, and I know Sam did a little bit. I wanted to bring up his thoughts on Joe Doring and his impact run. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can have him on again and talk about that. But all right, so. Main event, there's a lot of other stuff. Uh, uh, a lot of stuff with the women. Uh, 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 Mickey James and Chelsea Green fought. Uh, Tasha Steeles is obviously next next in line for Mickey James. Savannah Evans, Tasha Steeles getting involved with Chelsea and Mickey. I believe they're slated for a tag match next week before uh, before they go at it. It could be wrong about that. It might actually be at No Surrender. But anyway, I feel like Tasha Steeles has been on such a different level ever yeah. since the knockout. Knockouts, knockdown. No. Knockdown, no. knock. Knockouts, no. knockdown. Nacho knockdown. The nacho knockdown. The nacho knockdown. Gonna, yeah, when the they no- had the the uh, the nacho eating competition. Ever since then. Yeah. Jeez. No, but I feel like I talked about it at length. That how I thought that tournament just nobody lost. Like it, it yeah. was so well done. But I think the biggest winner in it was Tasha Steeles because I, I just, something clicked that night that um. Not that it wasn't there previously, but it was just showcased the best it had ever been. And I feel like she's she's been kind of on a, a somewhat meteoric rise since then. Like what Deanna's done has been so insane yeah. that you almost forget like what's coming up behind. And I, I think Tasha Steeles is their next one. I, I agree. And this was a great because they had two very prominent uh, women segments on this show, both uh, with uh, Deanna facing Santana Garrett. And also with uh, Tasha Steeles and the Mickey James furthering that storyline. So all things fire. And listen, there, I don't think there's any end in sight for Deanna Parazzo. I think inevitably, yeah. if if they want Tasha to have the belt, I have absolutely no problem with that. If they feel like elevating her 
while you still have Deanna Prazo as the top knockout for lack oh, I guess that's what they call them. Knockout. Yeah. So if if you want to have them both on level playing fields and then lead to a Tasha Deanna, that the, the 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 dynamic between those two would be absolutely insane, even though they're both bad guys too, but still I think it could work. Um, I think um it's so weird. We've talked about this before too, right? Like that there's some wrestlers who there's some wrestlers who never need the title, but could have it. Like Eddie Kingston, we mentioned before yeah. is the first thing that pops into mind. And then there are some people who got so over in their title runs, they don't need it right now. And right. I kind of feel like that's where Deanna's at. Like, I think she earned her, her place as one of the top yes. women's wrestlers in and the world. She, she also, doesn't necessarily need it. She also benefits from a time in wrestling where other championships are being represented on the show. So yes. she, so she's the ring of honor champion. She's the Rhea of the Rhea. Uh, I probably butchered that. Triple uh, A champion, mm-hmm. so she still has championships to add to her presentation, which she again she doesn't necessarily need, but it definitely doesn't hurt. And I think the knockouts division is so strong that once she kind of went through everybody, it's not like people are going to get a tremendous rub from facing her because they're also strong. Where I feel like in you know Ring of Honor is completely ambiguous right now, and then right. um, in Triple A, is it Triple A? Triple A. I think it's Triple A. She's the Real de, Rea de El Rea champion. I, I, no. it's, it's got it's got to be Triple A. It's one hundred percent Triple. I'm gonna go out on a limb and guarantee it's Triple A. Wow, and not CMLL. Is it CMLL? I don't Hold know. On. No, it's not. Uh, it's La Reina del Rey, right? La, La, El Rey, El Rey Mysterio del Nacho eating del Rey. Dominic Mysterio champion. Dominic Mysterio championship. Perfect. That's what it is. Um, so. Did you, like did those organizations you? benefit wildly from her exposure, and so Agreed. would the opponents in those. Whereas opposed to knockouts, it's like, what are you gonna do? Lady Frost doesn't need Deanna to get over, you know what I mean? So yeah. well, no, uh, yeah. I would like, love to see Lady Frost get over on like just be the be the next person too at some point. My god, she's so great. She's just Did her... I ever tell you did I ever tell you the idea that I had for when Kiara Hogan and they were fire and flavor? Did you ever see the tweets that I was putting out? <laughs> What was it? Ice and what? No, no, it was. I was demanding. No, no, I was demanding that Doritos come out with a Dorito flavor called Fire and Flavor, and, and have Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steeles be the spokesperson for the Doritos. Like have commercials with Doritos Fire and Flavor. That is a missed opportunity. Very much. Then once Doritos no sold me, I pitched it to Taco Bell, and. and <laughs> And they also and are you big money Kevin now? They no, no, you no. They, no. Ta- Taco Bell, <laughs> Taco Bell at least liked and and retweeted. Doritos got I got nothing out of Doritos. They Taco Bell knows the value of wrestling. They got Alex Zane. That's right. Big Alex Zane. They guy. know what's up. Big Alex <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. With uh, what, oh what no, you're fine. I was just saying that like there's so much that goes into why someone should have a belt, right? And like yeah. the knockouts have this champagne problem of like all of their women have the ability to be over and so many of them are over like Tasha Steeles I think is on the rise where her having the title would be something that would be so helpful to her like it would make be her a star yeah tremendously helpful I agree 100% and I don't think Deanna needs it which is which is great it's a testament to the run that she did have yes 100% and speaking of uh knockouts uh Former digital media champion Jordan Grace, I believe, is getting a, a rematch with 
the current digital digital media world champion Matt Cardona at No Surrender. I believe they announced that, or at least they they hyped it on Impact uh, Cardona. And we could segue after I want to talk about real quick. I'll get back to Cardona. Uh, Brian Myers versus William Morrissey. Hardcore match. Brian Myers in his element as a ECW uh, super fan. He uh, he got his ass kicked, and he took, <laughs> and he, he took it like a champ. And that was a, a tremendous hardcore match between William Morrissey and the Prince of Queens, Brian Myers, the most professional wrestler. Did you see this match, Kate? I did not see this match. It's okay. But I just appreciate what a fucking Mark you are. I am. Listen, I'm a freak. <laughs> I'm a Mark. All right. Listen. You it's, are. It, and, and you talked about how Matt missed the opportunity. I literally have the to talk to Switchblade. I actually, we, we didn't talk more. We didn't talk enough about that, by the way. Um, but I was literally in a locker room with, with Broski for like four hours and I didn't say a word to him. My God. Like, and He's this is a person. And I know, and I'm not like that with a lot of people. Like I, I talked to Eddie Edwards. I was like, I'm like, Eddie Edwards, like I talked to Eddie Edwards every single time I see him. I just think it's so funny that you've had like people that would literally be considered legends on the podcast that we're talking on right now. Yes. And like Matt Cardona, you have you it's, can't even muster up. I've known Brian Myers for almost 10 years. And it still freaks me out to talk to him in person. I could text him right now if I wanted to. But in person, it's freaking weird. You, I mean this sincerely. Like, it warms my little Marky heart when I see. It's the only two <laughs> people. The only two people on the planet that like granted like in general like i'll get nervous but i'll i'll end up sucking it up and doing it but like for some reason i just i unless i'm like hammered like i i forgot that i talked to tj wilson in orlando like i didn't even bring this up to like matt and tony because i totally forgot about it because i was blasted and and 2.0 they said that they would do the podcast i totally forgot about that too and like like but for some reason, I won't do the meet and greet to take a picture with like Brian and Matt. It's it's a problem, Kate. Like Kate, Brian's even more so because you like have worked on you work shows that he's at yeah. all the time. Like that's yes. the one that gets me even more. Is because it's disgusting. It's, like, it's not just like oh we've crossed paths before. Like very regularly do you cross. Yes. He's text kind of like a mini coworker. At yeah, this text point. at least once like, a week. Text at least once a week. Can't talk to him in person. It's a sickness. It's hysterical. It's disgusting. I love it so. I'm ashamed much. of myself. All Sam right. Punk replied to me once, and I was like, "We're best friends." I would have saved that <laughs> and made it my screensaver and my <laughs> and my and my cover photo and my profile picture and my avatar and everything. <sighs> All right. Speaking of Broski. Hell yeah! I love let's, this move. I actually really, really love this move. NWA, we talked a lot about NWA with Sam Adonis, but this is, I think, the only headline. I watched Power. I did not watch the USA uh, show, but I feel like the only headline that we can discuss right now, being that it is 941, is we have a new uh, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, and his name is Matt Cardona. I saw this coming, uh, not to toot my own horn like Arn Anderson, but toot toot. Uh, saw it coming just like I saw Trevor Murdoch winning the NWA Championship before him. Kate, Let's deep dive into your thoughts on Broski winning the NWA championship. I think this is a no-brainer move. I think it was so smart. I think NWA needed it. Um, I think it's very fun to 
Because, like, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of Cardona in the ring, but that thing that Sam Adonis was talking about before of seeing somebody assimilate to every environment they're in, I don't think you can deny that what Cardona has done um, as far as that goes has just been, like, on on the legendary level of sorts. Like, it, it is crazy to think that this is the same guy who is getting carved open with a pizza cutter and yeah. beers chucked at his head at JCW going into a studio show and doing what he did there. And um, I, I just, I have so much, I think there's so much value in what they did in putting the title on him because I think NWA really, really needed it. And I think that Cardona right now has built up so much equity that it's going to do really big things for their promotion. And it also gives, Cardona, like, like he's on impact, but it doesn't feel like a home in some ways. I feel like Cardona being an NWA champion, like almost sets down these really nice roots where now every time he branches out from that, like he has this, this like nutritional place to go. Almost, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, no, no, it does. It, it's, it's a value for him too, to be able to, to bring this belt other places put it in those other environments but to have a show where it's like i'm ripping a promo and i'm kicking someone's ass for the run that he's on right now it's it's so advantageous for both parties that i i felt like it was such a no-brainer move not one that i was sure they were going to pull the trigger on but one that i'm really really glad they did because i just i think it makes a world of sense for everyone involved yes and to your point about it took him a little while longer in impact to embrace his heel persona. And that's probably a decision that wasn't up to him, but now, but now he is because, you know, he cheated to beat Jordan grace for the digital media championship. So he's now slowly, but surely bringing this persona to every company that he's in still kind of like, and he'll, he'll do it on Twitter. Like I'm still a baby face. You guys are just, you guys are booing. That's your, just your decision. It's your decision to boo me. Like that's your guy's problem not mine it was like I, danielson coming out of the face tunnel like I, yeah. I love it when like the key to a great bad guy is they don't acknowledge they're a bad guy right like i'm just yep. doing it super well so like um i think there were a lot of people that like if you come out and you give the i have a chip on my shoulder attitude after you get let go from wwe there's a desire to i think by a lot of wrestling fans to want to see you do something completely different than you were doing. And when he initially went to impact and when he did those couple of AEW appearances, I think a lot of people were like, he looked, he looked diesel. Like he looked jacked, but I think a lot of people didn't feel like it was like a huge shift away from, I mean, a huge shift away from broski. Sure. But like a huge shift away from Zack Ryder, maybe not enough. And then through the GCW builds, I think people were like, that's what I wanted to see. And I, I think that's a very difficult thing to, you can't just suddenly shed everything you knew and were used to at a yep. place that you were for 10, 15 years or however long it was there. So like, I, I, I'm so happy for him. Like, even though, it, it, like, I feel like ring wise, not my favorite, but to no. see what he's done character wise has been incredible. And I hope independent wrestlers are taking notes because it's like, that thing Sam Madonna said about like, you don't need a contract to be successful in pro wrestling and like do it for the reasons that you love to do it. Um, like if you're trying to get a job at AEW, I get it. But like AEW didn't exist when you became a wrestling fan. Right. right. So, so I think that's just like a, a really important thing. And like to see 
Cardona, who I know already had a name, but like build more success after his WWE run than he ever had there is, is something that's like awesome and inspirational. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know this to be a fact. I think a lot of it is specifically maybe to his GCW run. I feel like part of that maybe is why he brought Hawkins into it. I know you had the X-Pac thing like coming out. So you're going to have Janela and X-Pac first. Oh, that was such an ECW tribute. Yeah. That, that no, whole of match. Course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. 100%. But I feel like I'm not going to get inside his head because I don't want to disrespect him by saying this. But if if he does tag matches with Brian, the work rate in a match goes up. Like sure, like he's tenfold. the most professional wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So like, and Janela's not like the technical Adonis on the other side of the coin in that situation either. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> again, I'm not disrespecting anybody involved because I love Joey. I love Mark. I love Broski. Yeah. So I I think them being together as a team. Uh, is invaluable, especially in GCW. And I believe they are going to be wrestling the Hardys in big time wrestling coming up soon. Uh, a couple other NWA notes real quick. We talked about this. I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on in these matches, but we talked about these like three, like four team. Like I know it's like some sort of cup for like, it's not the Crockett cup, but it's like some sort of competition for like the winner gets like 30 grand or something like that. Uh, the end and uh, Rodney Mack. Uh, shut out uh, a team and, and ran the distance uh, against uh, Aaron Stevens, Derek Kratos, Judas, James Mitchell, with James Mitchell, uh, Insomnia Sportsman. No, Idolmania Sports Management. Management. thought it was Insomnia. It might as well be Insomnia when Idol Stevens, when Austin Idol's on my TV. Uh, Austin Idol, Black G's. So a lot of stuff. Camille uh, had a match with uh, Kira Hogan. Uh, lots of build up to. Uh, to to their shows coming up uh obviously this was pre power trip so power trip happened out there which we just covered right there kate to do this real quick very bare minimum mlw because i did watch mlw richard holiday finally pulled the trigger turned on alexander hammerstone so there's that uh, i watched uh the contra unit explode that's really all i got for mlw the guy uh curon uh called out uh, Jacob Fatu, Jacob Fatu, really good vignette on Jacob Fatu. Go back and watch that if you haven't on MLW, his his life story growing up in uh, an impoverished neighborhood and watching people die in front of him in real life. Uh, kind of crazy, kind of sad, but it is what it is. It was building him up as the real deal monster. Don't know what's going on with Contra. Uh, so there's that. EJ, Here's what I learned this week. All right. Okay, this go for what, it, this is This is my one MLW highlight. Smart me up. Okay. Everybody who was in Dynasty makes out with girls the same way. That's what I learned this week. Oh, MJF cool. devoured one of the goddesses' faces on television. And you know that's holiday. That's, that's a shoot girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. She's a very skilled artist. Since we're pulling back yeah, the curtain, yep, yep. Um, she's an incredible artist. Um, and then Richard Holiday devoured Alicia Toot's face. Ah, got all the Toot. Got all. Got all that. What's that attitude? <laughs> it's no. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hold on! Hold on! It's, it's so the, Canadian sounding of you. Yeah, it's the attitude era. Oh, Kevin! Attitude era. Attitude era. Attitude era. Attitude era. Attitude era. I gotta go. All right, we're done. Like a, this is like a pay per view with a hard blackout. Once you say attitude era, attitude era is a great <laughs> pun. 
You should. That's a T-shirt. You should tweet that at her. I'll, I will tweet it at her because she's showed some attitudes. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Be, I can't be the first one that thought of that. She. She's. She's a smart girl. She probably already thought of that. She is. Yes. All right. So that was our very very in depth MLW coverage. <laughs> I did watch it. I though. literally cut you off. You can continue. No, that it's just, okay. that was the one thing I knew about MLW I, this week. I feel weird doing it without Matt or Tony here because I can't do it justice because I did watch it, but I just don't. I mean, Richard Holiday fought King Mortez. Uh, EJ and Juka, I think his name is, fought the guy that was kicked out of Contra, or then he challenged somebody else, and Jacob Patu came out, beat his ass. Uh, nice little promo in the beginning from the, the head guy saying that Dallas is not Mexico. Dallas is all talk and a lot of bullshit. But and anyway, and yes, the five bit indoors, five bit indoors, four bit indoors, three bit indoors, two bit indoors, and a forbidden door, and a forbidden door. Kate, plug whatever you have coming up. We didn't really week. have to go home. I was just making. I listen. Okay. It's not. It's it's almost ten o'clock. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, so I'm okay with going home. Do you want to real I, quick talk about this news that just broke on Fightful Select that WWE is making overtures towards Stone Cold Steve Austin for a WrestleMania match? I will talk about that. I do not follow all the uh, the the backstage newsies, so I don't know. So fill fill me in. What happened? Oh wait, WWE is reaching out to Stone Cold Steve Austin for one more match. That was the news. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't say. I, I this is a story of a girl crowd of ever and drown the whole world. I hope it's not for. It says for a match, but like, I don't know who you'd have him face right now. Oh, who is it? It's got to be a. Uh, they can't. They can't. They can't like finally give us Austin Goldberg when they're both like sixty. Can they? No, they would do that in Saudi Arabia if they were. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say, is this for Saudi or is this for uh, who did who do they want him to work? I just saw it. Oh, Ke- Kevin Owens. Oh my god, that would be awesome. If if that Austin, would be red. If Austin is Austin, but it can't be Austin. Yeah, I don't know. It's it said in the article that there wasn't any like lead that there there was no information about whether Stone Cold had an interest. I feel like Stone Cold and and Punk would would have been the money there. Yeah. Um. I don't know if if Stone Cold comes out of retirement for. Who's who are the top like? All right. So who are the top guys in W? Because we have no, we have we do have Saudi Arabia. You know, Blood there Money Elimination Chamber coming up uh, Saturday. There. I mean, it's it's Brock Lesnar. It's Lashley. It's, it's Lashley, kind of. It's Roman Reigns. It's not Biggie. They made that very clear. Yeah, that's a that's a disaster. <laughs> I but mean, kind, I, kind of Seth Rollins and and Owens. Um, I re- I remember saying that I wasn't shocked about the Biggie thing because I remember God. you and I having a heated debate on the last time you joined us on the show. Was that if they never thought he was the guy, then the right move was to take the belt off him. Uh, and clearly, they don't think he's the guy, and I don't think they think Bobby Lashley is the guy going into WrestleMania season because no, I no his the whole way they gave him the title made him look like a jackass. Yeah. And uh, it was done to advance the other storyline. Yeah. Like they, they clearly just don't care. So we will have our picks. We're not picking no surrender, but me, Tony, and Matt will be picking the, the chamber. And there's no doubt in my mind. And I'll, I'll tell, I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hand right now to them. They don't care. 
uh, Brock Lesnar is walking out with the championship. Right, and they, because Paul Heyman did a whole thing about how it's not going to be title for title, which means that it is going to be title for title. Yeah. And that Brock's going to win. Hey, Buster. Buster, <laughs> Buster, what it is right now? Uh, so yeah, we're so we'll be picking that. We'll have our, our results for that pick uh, for those picks next week on the show. Uh, Stone Cold potentially coming back. Who knows? To the show, which is exciting. So tune in next week as Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's right. Joins the Shining Wizard. Shining, Shining Wizards will be joined by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Next Remember week. when you know how Tony would get those amazing liners from totally alive people? like when he would go on cruises and it would be like, Hey, this is the macho man, Randy Savage. And you're listening to the oh, Shining podcast. Yeah. You should do that to promote shows. now. just be like, so yeah. cold is joining us. Hey, this, this is the loose cannon, Brian Pillman. <laughs> and you're listening to the shining wizards podcast. Yes. Yeah. They were completely real. It was usually yeah. like when he would go on one of his, like on a cruise or something, he'd run yeah. into all these. <laughs> they were stars. actually, really, they were actually really funny. They were the best. Yeah. You should do that to promote the show, though. Just like it just don't hold on next week you and just lie I mean? to people. Just lie, yeah. Just lie. That's yeah. That's ethical. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> if you do it about people that literally uh, can't be on it, yeah. why not? Just be hey, like, this is a mighty Hercules, one half of power and glory, and you're <laughs> listening to the Shining Wizards podcast. My favorites were when it would be women that sounded remarkably like Tony. That was just like the funny. Like, this is Paige. Yeah. Ah, oh, this is WWE Hall of Famer Trish Stratus. <laughs> What's this all about? A toot. And you're listening to the Shining Wizards podcast. <laughs> hey, this hey, hey, this is May Young. <laughs> This is this is WWE Hall of Famer May Young, and you're listening to the Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, where it's <laughs> forbidden doors and talk about doors and talk about doors and doors. That's it. I'm looking at a like a big tote or big uh, U-bin t- container uh, and a tote and a tote <laughs> of action figures that I did not pack up myself. So I'm. <laughs> it's really giving me like OCD and how they're they're stacked in this like uh Tupperware container. Like I see like a loose Shelton Benjamin and a loose Hawkins, but I also see like an AEW figure that I don't know who it is. They're, dun, all, dun. they're all stacked abnormally and I have no idea how I've lasted three hours and not noticed it. There's a lot of people who don't know how you lasted three hours. Hey I had a great time hey. <laughs> Oh God. Stop it. First of all if I'm lasting three hours we got other problems. You used Blue Chew, That's and right. you used one of the many, many, many promo codes that you can use in this wonderful Yes, industry. I'm a hoarder of Blue Chew promo codes. So, I knew it! Actually, I'll be all damned the, if I'm paying actually, for more than shipping. Those, actually, those aren't, those aren't action figures stacked in there. Those are all promo codes for YouTube, for uh, Blue Chew. I knew it. up in there. Um, oh, okay, Tony's this is, in the chat telling us to go to bed. I don't know, Tony. Oh, kind of kind of hard to sleep when my back hurts from carrying the show because you bailed. Whoa, carrying the, that's like a direct shot at me. No, it was an indirect shot at Tony. I was just having fun. <laughs> All right. All right. I can't well, this was sleep, this was a man. lot of fun. This we was should, a blast. Thank you, Kevin. You should pull it into the station. Kate, drop all the promos, all the, the podcasts you're on, all the shows that you're on, all your Twitter handles and, and new Twitter handles and old Twitter handles and everything. I'm going to not drop my old ones, but oh, okay, I will, yeah. but I will yeah. promote 
I am on the NXT 2.0 post show tomorrow. Sour Graps on Fightful YouTube. Join us as me and Alex Pulaski lose our fucking minds at how bad that show is. Wednesdays on the Mark Order podcast, talking all things, all elite. Um, also, Tuesdays, Fightful Overbooked. I'm doing a counterpoint show with Joel Pearl called Here's Why You're Wrong. Wait, we got I got heat with you about this. All right, well, let me get through my plugs and we'll talk. Okay, okay. And then <laughs> this Thursday, I'm on the 6M podcast with Doc Mueller from Bleacher Report and Tom over there. And then Friday, I have the AEW Rampage and SmackDown post show with Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful YouTube, way too late at night, though. Yeah. I think it's at 7 o'clock. I think Rampage is 7 o'clock this week. Oh, because of the something. I don't know, but I got to start an hour earlier, and I'm fucking excited. <laughs> I think it's an I think it's an NBA game. I think. And I also want to say good night, Gracie. Oh God! See, I did. All right, so I respected you for getting the horse the horse meat question in. <laughs> uh, so wait, this counterpoint show was this your idea, or was this idea brought to you? A little bit of both. All right, because I remember pitching you an idea that I never followed up on, which is the story of go. my life. About doing like a first take type show. And I feel I, like you just took this idea and ran to someone else. I didn't. Well, so Joel is like remarkably positive about things, which is nice. That's good. Um, but our it's a little different because it's like, like last week we did NXT versus NXT 2.0. This week it's like Hook versus Tony D'Angelo. Like it's a lot of more timeless ones. Oh, like God. News debates. The next one we're going to do. Um, we're going to. <laughs> I roped them into ECW versus WWE ECW, but they're more, it's more timeless stuff than like current topics, which is kind of fun. So, so who, how often do you, how far ahead do you know which side you have to debate? Uh, last time we did it kind of on the spot, but we recorded like three in advance. So now is it just like you have to, you have to like fight for the one side? Yeah. But it like also just evolves because we just keep cutting each other off and being like, here's why you're wrong. So we're just picking on each other's points mostly. And that can go from anywhere from like Hook uses judo stuff extremely well in pro wrestling to like, yeah, but have you seen his hair? So it's okay. very like, gotcha. very tongue in cheek, very lighthearted. But Fightful Overbook has like 900 hours of programming head over there. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's the latest venture. And then I have more stuff coming up, including something that's going to be on the Shining Wizards Network. That I had just have to get my ass in gear about. Uh oh, I don't see. You gotta DM me about that because I, I gotta be in the know about this sort of stuff, Kate. We'll talk off air. All right, all right. Well, Kate, <laughs> thank you very much, guys. Follow us at the Wizards Podcast on all social media: Instagram, Twitter. Go to our Pro Wrestling Tea Store. Just search Shining Wizards. You'll find it. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another, as Tony and Matt would say, rip roaring episode of the Shining Wizards podcast. Thanks to our guest, uh, Sam Adonis, Zeke Mercer, and of course, KTG, Kate the Great. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And she already said goodbye, Gracie, so I'm not going to do it. Good night, so Gracie. Have a wonderful night. We are out and cue post music. Ah! Bye. All right. We're out on the broadcast. Oh, I can't say that when we're actually still on the broadcast. All right. Now we're out.